This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning team, rain, rain, rain. Did it ever stop yesterday? It was like 40 days and 40 nights. Every time I looked out the window, rain. Every time I thought, I'll go to the supermarket, rain. Came out of the supermarket, rain. Uh, luckily, we lost all the hanging baskets yesterday. We've had them all taken away. We're all ready for winter. And believe you me, after yesterday's weather, I think we're practically there. Uh, Simon Cowell has banned sob stories from the X Factor. Well, that'll make a very short programme. And where, where will we be with that? My, my mother died and she wanted me to sing this song for you. And then it turns out they can't sing. Gaza's three-week binge in his squalid flat. The tributes continue to pour in to the fabulous Dickie Attenborough. Dear, dear Dickie, even called Margaret Thatcher, darling. And another teenager drowns in a disused quarry. What more can we do? All of that and more this morning. And did you know that tax discs on cars, the paper tax discs, finished in six weeks' time? Bet you never knew. Apparently 90% of the country have got no idea. It's all going to be done on computer. So, in other words, they will know if you've got one because it'll show up on the computer. You know, the police will have a field day with this one. Before you just look at it and go, tax disc. And it never used to be um, a police matter. It was sort of a civil matter. Now... If you don't have it, they're going to take your car off the road. <laughs> There's so many. And I have to mention, because I'm sure that other people must have seen it as well, the uh, the police were out the other day in Slough, God's own borough. What a dump that is. What a dump you've ever seen. Such an awful place. Anyway, this was one of these interceptor programmes. So they're sort of pootling along, and a car goes past them with a, with, with a lad in there with no seatbelt on. So they pull him. They pull him, you know, because he's got... And it's a, it's a crime not to wear a seatbelt. You know, you have to explain to some people they're a bit thick. Anyway, he's pulled up outside his house. He gets out of the car and it starts off quite normally. Yes, uh, I didn't have my seatbelt on, because he's, he's the master of the English language. Yeah, I didn't have my seatbelt on because I was, uh, I was getting my lighter out of my pocket. Well, you have to have your seatbelt on all the time. It's as simple as that. You didn't have it on, so we pulled you. Then the father comes out of this house... And the father sort of, you know, looks, looks as though he's well the worse for wear. A bit difficult to tell, really. And, um, and what's, what's, what's going on? Goes this unshaven yobbo. That's all I can describe him as. His name's Mr Carver. I know that because he told us on camera his name was Mr Carver. And he told us his date of birth. He's about 64. He looks as rough as hell. Anyway, how long ago this programme was spelled, I don't know. So anyway, so then they thought, what are you doing? Well, we're, we're talking to him. Nothing to do with you. We're talking to your son. Is this your son? I'll have a DNA test. And, um, and he's been stopped for no seatbelt. Yeah, so, so. Anyway, he then advances on one of the police officers. So the police officer puts his hand out and pushes him back. He said, don't, don't come any closer. He's a, he's a nasty piece of work, this Mr Carver. As it turns out, he's even worse than you imagine. And so he then goes, you just touch me. You don't, he's, he's quite clearly as thick as a bloody brick. He's so daft and he's so stupid. He's indicative of the entire Jeremy Kyle show, of which Slough is the holding pen. They're all there. They just corral them into, a, into an estate and they go, OK, you. Yeah, all right. And so out he comes. Oh, Mr Carver. Little Mr Gobby. You, think, you can't touch me. You just touched a disabled person. Well, to be honest with you, unless he's got a big sign on his head going disabled, you're never going to know. 
So he starts giving it large. And the police officer's just carrying on. So anyway, can I take your date of birth, Mr Carver? And so we go through it. And then, it, then he starts, you know, using the aggressive language. And then the son comes over, who's another bit of a plank as well. But there you go, like father, like son. There's another load of kids inside the house in tracksuit bottoms, and that's including the mother. And you know if the mother's in tracksuit bottoms, you know what you're dealing with. You know you are dealing with chavvy people. Chavvy people who don't deserve to live anywhere near any other human being. They are the lowest of the low. They are the women with tattoos on their necks. The women with no teeth, but they all smoke. They all look like white D off Benefit Street. Just slightly slimmer or slightly more obese sorts of people. And so they all start giving it large. And the police officer, he's still carrying on. So anyway, take this, OK. And then, it, and then, the, then Mr Carver, because he really thinks he's something. Get, get, my, get my phone, he goes to the wife. And to be honest with you, how she ever became his wife, God alone knows. An act of God, I would have thought. Somewhere to park a broomstick. And so she sort of, uh, she sort of goes against He says, I'm going to call my lawyer. I thought, you could have called, do you know, I wouldn't even have the number of a lawyer in my phone. So quite clearly, this man has got a lot of, let's just call them issues, shall we? Let's just call him slightly simple. You know, quite clearly no education. And then he says to the policeman, so the policeman's standing there in this front garden, which has got a small trailer on it. No more needs to be said. And then he says to the policeman, you're trespassing, you're on my property. And the policeman says, I'm talking to this man here. And I wanted to say, it's a council house, love, you don't own it. OK, you're renting it because you quite clearly don't work. I'm going to get I'm going to get my lawyer on the phone. You've touched a disabled person. I thought, well, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd have had a hand wash present because you don't want to touch Mr Carver because he was a dirty old man. He really was horrible. He looked filthy and grubby and he was aggressive and it was so unnecessary. So what turned out to be something fairly simple? You've been done. And here's a £28 fine or £50 or whatever it happens to be for not wearing a seatbelt. And tell your father to go stick his head in a pot and boil it. OK, that's what I wanted to say to him. But the police officers have to be so nice to this idiot who lives in Slough. Further away, the better. Because you wouldn't want to encounter Mr Carver on a dark night or even a light night at all. Uh, so, the only reason I mention that is because it was a simple, a simple transaction. It could have been simple. And the son's saying to the policeman, don't, 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 don't touch him. He's got a nasty temper. I'm thinking, so... So he's got a nasty temper, and the man's quite clearly low rent. He's an idiot. It's not his fault. It's not his fault he's stupid. You know, but it is his fault that he's got a lot of anger managements. And so the interesting thing is that with the, with the no-tax disc, you'll have to do it all online. It'll be done online. You won't better go out and buy a piece of paper. That's, that, that's what will not be happening. There will be no piece of paper that you attach to your car. Now, I think, it, I think we must be the last country in the world who actually uses tax discs. In a lot of them, they, it's, it's all done on computers. Now, from October the 1st, it'll vanish. And I quite like it. I quite like cutting it out to the serrated edges. I like doing that. It's a simple pleasure in life. It's like unwrapping a Christmas present. And so it'll be replaced by electronic records. Police cameras will check number plates to catch owners who have not paid. However, a survey has recently found that 50% of drivers are in the dark about the changes. Nearly a third of people said they will not even try to find out what the new rules are. These are this is Mr Carver again. This is Mr Carver. He looked too stupid for words, didn't he? And a lot of people said they will wait for instructions from the DVLA. But the comparison website claims that the DVLA has not yet started adding warnings to tax renewals. See, mine, mine goes for another year. I'm up till... Next year, I've just paid the... Uh, I'm such a good boy. I pay everything. I get my MOT. I mean, honestly, if I had a halo, I would be polishing it this morning. I never, ever 
cheat on things like that. I pay my uh, car insurance, comes through on the computer as a reminder. I phone them up and go, yeah, that's absolutely fine, I'll pay that. Or I would say, wait a minute, I'm going to a comparison web- website, I can get it cheaper. Because I've got eight years no claims bonus, so I can get really cheap insurance from people, even on my car. And I think what I'm paying at the moment for fully comp, top-loaded everything, drive anything you like from a dinkum digger to a bus... You know, well, not quite a bus, probably. But uh, it's £500, I think, is absolutely fantastic. So I do that. I get the MOT done. The garage send me a reminder. Get the MOT done. And I get the tax disc done. I'm a very good boy. Very, very good boy. Uh, I mean, this is 93 years we've been having tax discs. I remember nearly all of them. Nearly all of them. So uh, what's going to have to happen now? Under the new system, the tax will no longer be auto- automatically transferred with a car when it's sold. So in other words, when you sell the car... Back to zero. So when you buy a new car or you buy a car, you'll have to go and get the tax disc and they will be... The police are going to be so busy with this, they'll have to employ new police officers. Police officers are sitting there at the moment going, what, on top of all the other things, how many police officers were at Notting Hill Carnival? How many police officers do you think were there yesterday for the Notting Hill Carnival? I mean, it's absolutely... 7,000 police officers. I mean... Is this not the most dangerous event in the history of the world? Why? 7,000... One poor officer gets assaulted because he goes over... Because some people think during Notting Hill Carnival, somewhat misguidedly, that it's okay to smoke the weed on the street. Well, it's sadly not. It's sadly not. It might be part of people's culture, but you can't do it. So this police officer goes over to somebody who's quite clearly drug-dealing... And, and get beaten unconscious. Anyway, luckily there's a man in uh, in custody. Something the matter with these people, isn't there? There's something the matter with some... Must be some sort of mental failure in their brain. I don't know really what it is. Um, how many tax discs issued since 1921? 1.7 billion. And now it doesn't matter. You know with the automatic number plate recognition, it doesn't matter whether the police car is behind you. They've got cameras along the side of the road now, which are specifically designed to catch your number plate. So if they see your, your car goes past, you don't even know it. It doesn't flash or anything. It just monitors. And when a tax disc comes up as not being with that car, takes the registration number, and that's issued to the local police station, and uh, then you get a thing in the post. You don't pay it, they're going to come around, they're going to crush your car. OK, fantastic. Take them all off the road, as far as I'm concerned. I see. I got cruised this morning. A bit unusual at my age. But anyway, I did get cruised this morning by an illegal minicab in Twickenham. He pulled up next to me. And if I'd thought about it, I could have whipped out my police badge. I don't have one, but I mean, I could have pulled out my library card or something and gone, police officer, you're touting. He was touting by the side of the road. I could hear his car coming a mile away, and he had uh, the, the official badges on it, but I know that many of them tout. And I know that because up at Piccadilly Circus, whenever the police are out up there, not a minicab to be seen. Not a minicab to be seen. The moment the police officers aren't there, they line up on the pavement. Minicab, minicab. They're all illegal. They're all touting. Be very careful. And I should imagine yesterday they were probably out in force. But this morning I totally ignored him because I have a pre-booked car because that's the whole idea of doing it legally so that uh, you feel marginally safer. Although, to be honest, yesterday I came in, we went over every speed hump. At sp- when I got there, I seriously thought, I'm going to have a dislocation going on. And I thought, well, that's money. Mon- money's dislocation, isn't it? You know, I must better find a lawyer that can sort of start something up for me. Because I see the adverts for the ambulance chasers on the telly. And the adverts say, you know, oh, you had this happen to... Have you thought about contacting us? And then they offer a sum and, and your lawyer goes, oh, it's not enough money. 
And I keep thinking, that's all we've come down to now, isn't it? We're just into compensation. I should imagine the, uh, the rather stupid Mr Carver from the police programme the other day, who was ranting and raving at the police officers and being very aggressive. Uh, he, oh, incidentally, he, he, he didn't phone anybody. He was just pretending because he's a bit simple. And so, of course, it came to nothing. Because as they walked away, one of the coppers said, oh, you're going to be in trouble now. You'll be in court. You've assaulted a disabled person. In fact, he just put his hand on him and just went... Move out of my space, OK? Like they would do to anybody. Unfortunately, Mr Carver was a bit thick, poor soul. But there again, the rest of the family looked a bit thick. The wife was very thick, especially around the thighs. Quarter past four. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. So just going back briefly, just so you're well aware that in six weeks' time, the tax disc finishes, OK? So no more excuses, unless you're in Slough, in which case, just by being in Slough, you've got the best excuse going, because you're a bit thimple, all right? So anyway, so no more tax discs, but... And here is the big but. If you sell your car and you do not inform DVLA straight away, £1,000 fine. OK, I'm telling you this now so that there's no excuse. So only LBC listeners will be will be better informed than everybody else. So when people say, what do you mean there's no more paper tax discs? You know, you can go, well, LBC told us ages ago, ages ago. And they'll go, well, I don't listen to LBC. You go, what? more fool you then. More fool you. You see, only the intelligent people are listening at this precise time. You know, some people are listening to music. You know, it's nice to hear a bit of Mantovani and, you know, Cliff Richard and stuff like that. But everybody else is hearing here about the tax disc. Because if you don't sort it out, you're in big trouble. So, in other words, if you sell the car, the tax disc immediately goes with that car. It's finished. It goes back to zero. So you've got to start all over again. And if you don't do it, £1,000 fine. The automatic number plate recognition places will be there. And, uh, and they will get you. It's going to save us £10 million a year. I quite like that. And in, incidentally, if you pay on the Never Never, which some people do with their insurance, you know, you've seen them, haven't you, on the police? The, the police honestly, the poor police. Like, my heart bleeds for police officers this morning. The reason being, they've got to deal with so many idiots on the road. They stopped a guy a while ago. I've repeated this one. It might, it might be a different person. I don't know. And they stop him. They go, all right, all right, fella. Because they're, they're always quite good, actually. I mean, I, I would be, hello, good morning. Hello, you know, and they always go, all right, fella, a bit, bit like that. And uh, so they stop this sort of young guy and they go, uh, sorry, the car's showing, mate, as, uh, as no insurance. So the bloke goes, you know, I've got insurance. They go, do you have it here? He said, no, it's a home. And he bluffed it out quite well. He bluffed it out really well. So they go, so, if, so, so, so tell you what, fella, if we, because they call him fella, I don't know. It was a woman. I don't know. So anyway, so they, they, they say, should we come back to your house? They go, yeah. So they go back to his house, and I thought, he's going to do a runner. Nope, he goes into the house, and he comes back, and he produces the insurance document. So the police then say to each other, oh, might, might have made a mistake. Perhaps it has, because sometimes it doesn't hit the national computer, because now, ever, years ago, it was all separate computer. Separate computer for the MOT, separate computer for the tax disc, separate computer for insurance. Now they can marry it all up together, and they can tell you straight away in the car if the driver's got a licence, if he's disqualified, if it's a, the amount of people on provisionals. So this bloke produces the insurance. So they look at it and he goes, I'll just make a phone call. So they phone up and he said, they said, they'd already said to him before, who are you with? And he went, Tesco. Because apparently a lot of people do their cars with Tesco. Like, you know, why would you want to go with a place that sells baked beans? But there again, it's neither here nor there as far as I'm concerned. You go with the place that will insure you. And, um, and so they then get the answer that they, you know that they're looking for anyway. And they go, you, were, you only paid for a month, didn't you, on this? And then, then you, you stop paying, you cancel the payments. He said, no, I didn't, I didn't stop. He knew he never had insurance. He was bluffing it out. So, of course, luckily, they took his car and crushed it. <laughs> Which, of course, I think is hilarious. I'd be, I want to stand there. I've seen couples before with their kids getting out of the car, effing and blinding in front of their children. 
because they're common. And, um, you know, because you don't swear in front of your children unless you're really stupid, do you? And so they then sort of take the car off them, and this couple have to wander up the road with sort of half the contents of the boot, including a spare tyre, which I think is quite funny. So just be aware, tax discs finish six weeks' time. 50% of you listening probably haven't got any idea. Now you're better informed. If you sell the car, you have to inform DVLI... DVLI... Yeah, okay, that's the posh version of it. Uh, that's the Australian version, the DVLI. And you have to go there and you have to register the car to the new owner. If you don't, £1,000 fine. They're not messing around. Not messing around. Malcolm says there can't be any dentists in Slough if it's the holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show. I know, isn't it amazing how many people on the Jeremy Kyle show have no teeth? I mean, perhaps they're sharing them in the family. I can only assume that. I've never seen so many ugly people on one show. I mean, I didn't think it was possible to actually have an entire programme of... Uh, I'm not surprised Jeremy Kyle wants to wear a suit on it because he looks the smartest out of every... The rest of them are so ugly. You know, I don't want to be rude about it, but the last time we had so many ugly people on one stage was when Little Mix was singing at, at a festival. No, I'm not being rude about Little Mix. It is the only group that managed to find in the entire country four deeply unattractive people to sing together. I mean, how unusual... It's so unusual. Normally, there's, there's one ugly in a group. Okay, you know, you you pick the Saturday, you'll find one ugly. You know, only girls allowed, well, maybe two. But, you know, but in Little Mix, they managed to find four. I mean, what are the chances, ladies and gentlemen? That's like trying to find on LBC three good-looking radio presenters. It doesn't happen. That's why we're here. We're here because we're deeply unattractive. At the moment, I look a little bit like the Cyclops or the Elephant Man in reverse. It's all, it is better, though. The eye is definitely better. Than we, we've agreed, Beth and I, that it's definitely, it's definitely a bit better than it was the other day. It's not, it's not as... Pu- I might take a picture later on just to sort of prove it, but it's, it's not bad. It's actually a lot better. Um, over the last four days, it's been absolutely horrendous. But it's a lot better. It's still a bit misty. I'm not quite seeing properly out of it, but I can just about see. Luckily, I can see to drive. Well, I say I can see to drive. I mean, goodness sake. It's, you know, it's a bit touch and go whether we hit other cars. You know, if we do, it's only a scratch, for goodness sake. 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here. And uh, it says, you can see what will happen next. Ringer number plates. Previously to buy tax, you had to prove ownership. Now loads just won't bother. Somebody turned up in my... Uh, the police turned up on my doorstep about two years ago. And, uh, and he, he read out the car number plate. And, um, and he said, is, is this your car? And it was, on, it was on a Vauxhall or something. I said, do I look like the sort of person who drives a Vauxhall? <laughs> and he said, no. I said, no. And what, what somebody had done is they'd actually uh, pinched the number plate... You know, which is, uh, which is, which, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I thought we couldn't have pinched it off a better person. And uh, somebody says, who do you think you are? Well, I mean, don't be stupid. We have enough, tra- it says Steve Allen. What do you mean, who do I think I am? What, Dame Vera Lynn or something. It says Steve Allen on the trails. You must have heard that. Where are you? Russell's in Slough. No, you're not, dear, are you? You're in a home looked after by matron. He says, uh, it's very discriminatory and offending to the people of Slough. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever, mate. Do I sound bothered by it? Come bombs rain on slough, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just the police who are going to be busy with the car tax situation. I'm an enforcement officer on behalf of the DVLA, and my job is to look for untaxed vehicles. I've been out since midnight. Oh, I've seen the little vehicle you drive up and down in. Have you seen those ones? That's quite nice. It looks like it's a little sort of smart car, and it's got a periscope on the roof, and they just drive along the side of the road, and they've got a computer inside. There's two of them. And when they see a car that's untaxed, they get out, and they put, um a DVLA uh, wheel clamp on it. 
And I don't want to tell you which area they're in at this precise moment, because then it would spoil the enjoyment that I get out of watching people being clamped. And, and they do it at this time of the morning, because that's when you've parked up, isn't it, after you're just at home enjoying the kebab in the Kentucky, and you're sitting there debating whether or not to watch police enforcement or a rerun of the Jeremy Carl, see if you can see any members of the family on it. And you sort of, you know, because somebody go, oh, look, it's Auntie Enid, hello! She's on the telly, she's famous. There she is, the toothless old hag. You can't work out who she got pregnant by, so they bring on a whole load, and she can't remember. I mean, she really can't remember. And then they bring on the Saturday you slept with my sister. And I mean, I sit there in disbelief. I seriously sit there in disbelief. I cannot believe what these people do on television. And then they've got, and then Jeremy Kyle sits there and points at these people, and goes, you've been on drugs, haven't you, for 20 years? And they say, yeah, so what? And then out comes the ugly girl. And she's pregnant. And she then cries. And, of course, I then laugh because I can't help it. You know, it's just the way the programme is. I think it's designed for that. It is designed to make us feel that whatever you've got going on in your life is far better than what's going on in their life, which is great. Uh, Love your story about the carvers in Slough. Uh, I spent my first ten years of my policing career there, brought back similar memories. Here in France, we have both insurance and MOT stickers equivalent in the windscreen. Shows at a glance without any uh, ANPR if you're covered. Well, the trouble is you don't have as many cars in France. You know, if you're sitting in Boulogne, you might get two cars an hour, mightn't you? Going through. And out in the countryside, nothing at all. You could go a week without seeing a car. And all of a sudden, one goes past and they go, oh, should we catch it? Oh, I'll catch it later. You never see people speeding in France. <laughs> people, people don't speed in France. There's no point, is there, really? Uh, 84850. You get free dental treatment if you're on the dole, apparently. On the dole. Nobody's been on the dole for years in this country. It's called Benefit Street. That's what it is. Isn't it funny, though? And aren't, aren't you just delighted that a programme like, like Celebrity Big Brother, which has no celebrities in it at all, can manage to take White D out of her depression? Have we seen any depression since she's been in there? No, isn't it marvellous? All those years on benefits, and all we had to do was stick her on a television programme to take her away from that life of doing nothing apart from sitting on your fat bum, sitting there just taking the benefits because she's too depressed. But anyway, it's so great, isn't it? So great. Uh, I've watched Judge Rinder, poor acting, trying too hard to be witty, and... um, Yes, I mean, I'd, I've, I have watched Judge, Judge Rinder, and I know that other people have said, oh, it's really great. I know that Bryn and Annie like it. And kind of, I don't like disagreeing with Bryn and Annie, because they're at that age, I feel I should agree with everything. But I've watched him, and I can't take to him. He uses the same phrases all the time, and because it's a, it's, it's a Judge Judy, it's a poor version of Judge Judy. In fact, it's a very, very poor version of Judge Judy. I wish it wasn't. Because I don't, I don't like them ripping off programmes on the television, but they, but they do, and it's it's a bit disappointing, really. Noreen, just hope your eye is better. I think it's I think it's a bit better than it was. I'm pretty certain it still looks a bit sore on the eyelids, but uh, I can't do anything about that at the moment. I'm hoping I've got the doctor this afternoon, and um, I don't know whether she's going to give me any more cream or whether now we just sort of carry on bathing it and all the rest of it. She says. Um, Lousy day weather-wise yesterday, cold and wet. It was wet. Oh, God, was it wet? Was it wet? Although the good news is that um, our cleaner, Mr Vizzino, took away the hanging baskets. He's very good at doing this. He takes away the hanging baskets, and so all of a sudden I've gone from you can't move for flowers in the baskets. They're still going in, in Sandy's, the fish shop. Stuart, the team there looking after their hanging efforts. But mine went yesterday, and what I'll do now over the next week or so 
is I'll empty out the pots on the wall and prepare them for winter. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? As we come to the end of August, I'm preparing pots for the for the winter. But I will, and, and it'll look very nice. And I might even get some more hanging baskets. I don't know. Happy birthday to Uncle Rob. He's abroad at the moment. Yes, Uncle Rob and I go back many, many years. And sue a listener from, uh, from your neck of the wood. Actually, I heard somebody from Twickenham earlier on. Don't want to mention his name because he sounded like he had quite a number of chips on his shoulder. There's something the matter. It wasn't quite there. You could tell by somebody's voice. I'm so tuned in to listening to people's voices now that I, I sort of I listen to somebody and think, oh dear, I think you've got one or two little issues. It's like listening to people on phone-ins and they think they know better. They've obviously read a thesaurus or they've been to Wikipedia and they start repeating stuff. And you start thinking, you don't actually know diddly squat, do you really? Anyway, quick uh, quick time check for you. Four thirty. Morning, everybody. Somebody just pointed out to me, and of course, I mean, the more I think about it, the more it's, it's absolutely true. How many black people do you see on the Jeremy Kyle show? Answer, you don't. They're obviously far too sensible to be messing around with these chavvy people. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, you obviously just don't get that. And yet in the American version, you do, because he's, he's targeted particular cities, which are predominantly black. But over here, in fact, somebody just, the more I think about it, the more I think, I don't think I've seen anybody black on the Jeremy Kyle show. Well done, them. How wise to avoid the show. How wise. It's odd, though, isn't it? You think about it. Go on, cast your mind back. I think that's racist. I think that's discriminatory. He's obviously not putting black people on there for some reason. Let's find out what it is, shall we? Uh, I don't know how many more times I can sit here at, uh, at this time of the morning or any time of the morning and talk about yet somebody else who has done this tombstoning into a disused quarry and died. But we had another one the other day and they said, oh, he was an adrenaline junkie. No, he was a prat. I'm sorry. I don't know how many more times you have to put up signs on disused quarries saying, do not jump into this water. Do not swim in this water. There are things underneath it. They've got no idea. This bloke jumps into the quarry. He goes under the water. He comes back up again. Then he disappears down. And you think to yourself, another family who is sitting there grieving for a son. We see it time and time and time again. They've got notices up. You're not supposed to go anywhere near them. You don't know what's under... It's a quarry, OK? What's under the water in a quarry? Rocks. I mean, you cannot explain to somebody any more clear. That's why it's called a quarry. It's called a quarry because they mine rocks in there. And then the thing fills with water and it becomes disused and they don't bother with it anymore. And that's when kids think on a hot summer's day, or now everybody's doing this water splashing thing, that they can go and swim in them. So they jump from a height. I mean, sometimes 30 feet up, they jump into this water and then they wonder. And the police have to come and rescue the body later. Very few people get out alive. And another teenager is now drowned in a quarry. And I don't know what more we can do. Unless we literally fill them all in. Unless we just literally get tons of cement and just fill these giant holes in. I I mean, I dread to imagine how many there are all over the country. But I don't know what else we can do. We keep saying to people, don't jump into them, and they jump into them. They see stories in the papers, don't jump into quarries, you could die. And they carry on jumping into quarries. I don't, I don't understand the mentality. I really don't. But there again, I've seen people driving like maniacs through uh, crowded town centres. They quite clearly haven't got any brain cells either. Simon Cowell has now banned sob stories from The X Factor. Well, that's ruined it, hasn't it? What's the point of watching the programme? What will be the point? What do you mean? So now we have to sit there and somebody comes on and they can't sing and we just get rid of them. That'll be over in about three seconds. Because 90% of them can't sing. They're just there for our entertainment. And I do like the entertainment. We do love, don't we? We do love watching the pitifully awful. The pit- You remember the Chawner family? Remember the Chawner family? Those were the two big fat sisters who just got fatter and fatter. And then it turns out that their mum and dad was as fat as they were as well. And, uh, and they, the Chawner sisters started fighting on the programme. They can't sing. They're just stupid. 
They're just put on there so we can point and laugh at the fatties. And that's exactly what they were. Luckily, they've disappeared. But, I mean, stupidly, somebody gave them a television programme. So we laugh at them again. Bit ridiculous, isn't it? But he said no more sob stories. Well, what's the point? The whole idea is that somebody comes on and they go, so, so what, what, what's the dream? And they go, I've also wanted to sing. My grandfather really, really helped me a lot. And uh, he actually passed away the other day. He, he, he were out walking, got... Got, it, it, it was it were winter time, and and he went out in this new anorak I bought him in white, and he got run over by a snowplow, and and it was a case of you know we really we really loved my granddad, and he'd been so proud of me, you know that I'm I'm on the program singing, and so they do this thing for about ten minutes, you know I'm sitting there with a handkerchief trying to stop the laughing, and uh, no because it's you know it's it's not un, it, it's not really fair of me to sort of pick on other people's misery, but you know they're absolutely barking mad these people, and so he sits there and he goes, and so I'm I'm going to sing. Uh, for, for, for my granddad. What, what, what are you going to sing? I'm going to sing Madonna's Lack of Urgin. And, and so they, they start, and you think, I'm sorry, I'm, are you, your granddad's better off out of it. Because you quite clearly can't sing. But we sit there, and we go through the charade, and even the panel, they cut to the panel, who is suppressing laughter. And, and you think, so they're there so that we can, we, we can basically take the mickey out of them. And the longer this goes on, the more you pad out the programme. So in the end, as opposed to having, say, 20 people on who can't sing, you end up with six people who can't sing and somebody who's sort of fairly average, but they're so ugly, you can't really put them anywhere, can you? There's not a lot you can do with the uglies. Or fairly that they're too young. And so Simon's assembling this girl group, which I think has got eight people in it already. It's beginning to sound like a choir already. And so they'll they'll put these people on. He's only interested in making money. He couldn't give a stuff about these people. So they assemble them. They have their sort of, you know, couple of years at the top, and then it all fizzles out. He's said a One Direction. They might have two more albums in them, and that'll be it. But they've all made a lot of money. Whatever happened, I knew there was something I was going to ask you, because I can't remember, and I'm totally convinced that I've read that it collapsed. One member of One Direction who's the, uh, the sort of the slightly odd, pretty-looking boy thing, didn't he invest in a football club? Was it Doncaster Rovers? And then somebody said to me, no, no money, it was ever forthcoming, nothing ever happened. And I remember thinking, I'm sure I read that somewhere. I could be wrong. I could, I'm more than happy to accept that I am wrong once a year, and uh, I have a feeling this morning is not that time. Probably come about Christmas time, I should imagine. Uh, I actually work near the hotel, says Chris in Manchester, where they used to put the guests up from Jeremy Carr when it was filmed in Manchester. Uh, before moving to Salford. It was like watching sort of some sort of zombie pageant taking place. Ugly is not the word. I know. There's a lot of... Have you noticed there's a lot of clothing from JB Sports? I've noticed that. There's a lot of grey tracksuit bottoms. My ultimate, my ultimate chav, you know, really naff outfit is sort of pink top with princess written on it. Crop, you know, crop to show sort of bare, bare navel. Well, actually, I say bare navel. It's a bit of gut hanging over the top of the dirty grey things going down into the fake Ugg boots. And when you walk behind them, you seriously think it's a bloke to start with because it's got tattoos up the back of its neck. It isn't until you go round the front that it is, in fact, a woman pretending to be a man. And where I don't know if they think that if you wear sports clothing from JB Sports, it makes you look sporty. I think it just covers the weight. You know, I think that's what it is, you know. Or failing that, they go out there, girls wearing sort of Chelsea tops and everything else, but they haven't washed them for ages. And they walk past you in a, in a, in a sort of waft of cheap jade goody perfume. And I always think to myself, toilet duck. You know, because I always think, cut out the middleman and put something in the toilet that's going to cover all sorts of nasty smells. And there it is, walking down the street with the cheap Ugg boots. You know, the fake Ugg boots. I mean, they're dreadful. And then, and then they go, oh, because we're on the television. What are you on the television for? Because I got pregnant, right? We wane. And, uh, and Wayne got me pregnant. But then he also got my best friend pregnant, and he's had a go at my mum as well. And, and then they bring on the mother. 
And she looks like she's just out on an ASBO. So they bring out the mother who shouts obscenities and the bouncers have to step in to separate these people. It is, it is quite entertaining. It's a bit like the X Factor. And it's a bit more fighting on the Jeremy Kyle show. There's a bit more people using bad language. And Jeremy Kyle says the same. Listen, do not swear. Do not swear. But they don't... But, but the trouble is, it's, it's like telling them not, not to pick their nose and eat it. Because that's, that's what... I know, it's disgusting. I know, but that's what people do nowadays on these programmes. They don't know. They really don't know. You can, you can see the sort of life that they lead. You know the life that they lead is not one that involves getting up every day to go to work. They've got no idea what going to work is. They don't, they don't have any idea. Sam says, the police interceptor show is based on the stretch of the motorway that leads to Slough. What, the M4? Well, I mean, you don't have to do anything doing Slough. I mean, that's where most of the crime's committed. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Russell is in Slough. I've decided, actually, I'm going to put you out of your misery, Russell. I'm going to delete you from my system. So that means you've got no friends left. I was the only one. And now you've got no... Wait a minute, just do this. You watch. Look at that. Look, it's, I love doing this. I lo- absolutely love it. The producer always claps when I do it. I don't know. I think we should bring in a brass band. There you go. You've gone. <laughs> Never to appear again. You'll have to go and buy another phone, won't you, dear? That'll be... I, I, like, I like making life difficult for you. My former partner, says Lou, is a DVLA examiner. What's a DVLA examiner? Never heard of a DVLA examiner. What does that mean? A DVLA examiner? What do you mean? Is it, what does that mean? Examines what? I don't, I don't know what that is. A DVLA examiner? I, I mean, you have to explain that to me, because what, is he a driving instructor? What's that got to do with a DVLA? You don't have to be a DVLA ex- I've never heard of that. Never heard of it. Uh, P says, came back from Holes yesterday to a miserable rainy day, so we watched a DVD called Goodbye, Mr Chips. Uh, I'll tell you what I watched the other day. I watched A Christmas Carol, but it was a very, very early version in black and white. It shows how early it was, because it was made by Metro Goldwyn Mayer. And the extras on it were Judy Garland singing Silent Night. And there was somebody called, you'd have to be over the age of about 45, 50, I would think, if not a bit older, to remember Jackie Cooper. Jackie Cooper was a child star in Hollywood, and it was Jackie Cooper's Christmas party. And it had Betty Davis serving drinks to his his little friends. Uh, He only died for three three years ago, Jackie Cooper. But he was a child star. If you if you Google him, you'll find out he was he's buried in Arlington Cemetery because at one point he was in the military. But he was a child star in Hollywood. He was almost like he was a miniature person in a child's body. But in this extra on the Christmas Carol, I bought it as a box set in America. You get the shop around the corner. You get um, something on something street. It wasn't Miracle on 34th. Uh, you get Christmas Carol. And what's the other one? Oh, Christmas in Connecticut. You get four films and then you get the extras on this one. And it was really good. Jackie Cooper and his little friends uh, having a party at Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studio served by the likes of Clark Gable and Betty Davis. And it, it was worth it just for that. You know, in the, in the days when they had proper stars, not some old bag off Benefit Street. She's not a star. She's just an old has-been. There is a story in the paper today which has annoyed me beyond all belief. I don't really know how I can ever explain the justice system in this country to anybody when a mum who beat a toddler to death could be free in seven years. She killed her own son and all she gets is 11 years, but she could be out in seven, if not less. How is this possible why wasn't she tried for murder, asked the neighbours who hunted for this missing boy. She said he's, he's gone missing. She'd killed him and put him in a suitcase. How is, I mean, how is this possible? This is not life. 
How is it possible that you can murder somebody nowadays and that's all you get? Mind you, the father who turned up in court, he'd only seen his son three times in his entire lifetime. Mikhail Kula was killed by his mother, who's quite clear it got some mental issues, and she's only going to prison for 11 years. <sighs> the rest of you would have probably thrown away the key. I mean, I don't know anybody can actually do that. I'm not surprised there's fury in all the papers today at this pathetic justice system. I mean, few crimes, I think, are any more shocking than a mother killing her own son and then pretending, because she's quite clearly got some sick illness, that uh, we have to go out looking for him. So we wasted money on police man-hours going out looking for a son and she knew where he was all the time. He was dead because she'd beaten him to death. And all she's going to get is about seven years in prison. What price life? Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 11 minutes to uh, to five. Uh, somebody says here, Eric, you're totally wrong, actually. Totally wrong. He says, the reason many of those on a stop for no insurance say Tesco and Asda is they're the only brokers for the main insurance company, but the supermarket hours of trading have the policyholders brief that cannot be verified. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Absolutely. They absolutely can. Because it's on a computer now. They just phone up the central computer and the central computer gives them the, uh, the answer. The police computer has all the answers on there. They don't, it's, it's very easy to check. So, uh, otherwise, that would be a stupid system, wouldn't it? That would be a very stupid system. So they don't, uh, they don't have that. They, they, they check it straight away. Louis from One Direction. The Doncaster Rovers deal fell through. It ended up, he didn't have enough money and support, apparently. Wasn't he trying to, I seem to remember in the back of my mind, that he was going to put up all this money, and then he was asking fans to donate money as well. For Doncaster Rovers or something. I mean, who's ever heard of Doncaster Rovers? That's like Accrington Stanley, isn't it? What's the point? So it, it fell through. But he got loads of coverage. You're going, oh, he's a saving... I'm thinking, he's a child. So I didn't think it happened. I didn't... I'm, I was pretty certain in the back of my mind, somewhere in the back of my mind, that uh, this deal had not gone through, and yet there's been no mention of it ever since, is there, really? Uh, another one here. It says, uh, very quickly... Um, Carol says, interest you pronounced slough as an ow. I've always called it sludge. Uh, oh, it's a horrible place. It really is. That's why the, uh, the, uh, the poet laureate years ago did the come bombs rain on slough. It's only famous for the Mars factory, isn't it? It's not famous for, uh, for anything else, I don't think. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at uk on the subject of, uh, of Skegness. I don't know whether it's a picture of Skegness or something. Oh, that's dirty, isn't it? Skegness looks quite nice. I could go there. That looks quite normal. There's nobody about wearing tracksuits. Let's have a look. Wait a minute. Is that somebody in the distance wearing a tracksuit? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? There's a rather large, overweight woman on the pier, so we'll have to get rid of her. We'll have her shot. And then we can make the place a nice way. But I, somebody said, what was it one of the great pleasures the other day at the British seaside was having fish and chips and sitting at the end of the pier? Although nowadays you face being dive-bombed by seagulls who will take your fish and... They've, they've got no shame, seagulls. They really have I think we should all be armed with catapults or something. Thank you for that, William. I quite like the idea. I quite like the idea of, of, of Skegness. I've never been... Oh, look, it's another picture. Oh it's, got a, oh, it's got a scenic railway. I love a scenic railway. The beach looks quite nice. Not too many people swimming. And, uh, and it's got um, a big wheel. Oh, I like the look of that. Skeggy. Perhaps I... Actually, this must have been taken in winter and summer. I imagine that beach is packed. Not yesterday, though. But I felt sorry for everybody yesterday who, who sort of went off thinking, oh, we're going to go down to the seaside today and have a nice have a nice rest at the beach, put your feet up on a deck chair, and it tipped it down. It was horrible, really. I mean, I felt sorry for everybody at the Notting Hill Carnival. It didn't seem to dampen their spirits, though, did it? 
Didn't seem to. Now, Bryn and Annie have come back and says, yep, you're right again. Judge Rinder is OK, but in small doses, as he's now become very repetitive. I don't think it'll last too long. He says the same thing all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he says that once, he says it 30 times in a, in a programme. And, and he's used other things. But what we've noticed is, similar to the Jeremy Kyle programme, he picks some of the ugliest and most stupid people to come to the court. My dear God, how ugly can you get? Not only that, but as dim as a dead candle. How do they exist? Well, they're on benefits. That's why they can afford to appear on television programmes. Anybody who's got a... De- imagine, they say, oh, Steve, can you appear on a television programme? And I go, I've got a job. I've got a job. I never understand why anybody on radio wants to ever appear on television. I don't, I don't quite get that at all. I understand some people around here do it quite a lot, but, I mean, not for me at all. Why would you want to subject yourself to something like that? Read the tax discs. My Jaguar has now lost my dedicated number plate for a French one, which I've been required by law to do. We do have a small green square of paper on the right of the windscreen, which actually comes from the insurance company, and I have one on each of my cars. But you are slightly adrift when it comes to traffic and speed. OK, Annie and I live in the depths of the country. They're in France, incidentally. And if three cars pass our drive, it constitutes a traffic jam. But... When you get to the bigger towns, then you really get bunched up with traffic. Bordeaux can be a real bitch. But speed, don't you believe they all drive slowly, says Bryn. Not, uh, no such luck. I've been passed countless times by vehicles, most of them women drivers, going at nearly 100 miles, not kilometres per hour. But what's worse in France is that they nearly all tailgate. But uh, we still love it, and Annie still adores the programme. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad. You see, I knew I was right about Judge Rinder. I watched... I mean, I'm fairly, I'm fairly good on programmes. I can, I can suss through if somebody's trying to do a, a copycat programme. I can suss through if, if somebody's sort of trying to make a name for themselves. But the, the one thing that was the problem... The set's great. Judge Rinder looks great till he opens his mouth and then it kind of ruins it. But then it's the people on it. They're quite clearly people who want to appear on television. That's what it is. It's the, it's the vanity factor. It's the, they used to do one with Carol Malone, I think it was called The People's Court, based on an American show, which I think was also called The People's Court. But the only person who does it well is Judge Judy, because she's a former circuit judge, and she has no truck with these people at all. It's no good just sitting there just being rude to somebody, because that's just silly. You've got to be able to back it up, and Judge Judy can back it up. I think Judge Rinder, and I'd never heard of him before, we used to have a woman years ago dead now and she used to appear on all programs doing things legal she looks slightly peculiar it's like some of these people who appear on television now we've got a plethora of cooks haven't we everywhere you go there's another cooking program and i'm bored witless with them although i watched something the other day that kind of appealed to me and i nearly ordered it and i had to hold back and it was on qvc and it was a, a do-it-yourself fudge kit and it was about 10 packets of fudge, which you just added butter and a bit of water to. Then you put this thing in, and it came with little... And it looked like it was all complete. And they said, you can make it and sell it. And it was about 20 quid. But it looked really nice. I mean, I don't eat fudge, because, as you can well imagine, it's all sugar. So it wouldn't really be much much use to me at all. And so I, I sort of looked, but it did, they did make it look quite appealing. Quite, quite appealing. And then I thought, no, no, I've got to do VAT today. I should have done it the other day. I got halfway through, and then I, and then I, I lost the will to live. And it should be fairly simple. I'm a, I'm a bit backwards when it comes to doing it. I don't know why. Because what's today, the date today? It's the 12th. Oh, God, I've definitely got to do it today. Because tomorrow I've got a screening to go to in the morning, and, and then that's it, and then nothing Thursday. And then Friday, uh, a friend of mine's coming up to London, and she said, oh, I, I, I want to go to the Tower of London 
So I said, yeah, OK. So she said, and she's staying in a hotel in St James. She said, so why don't we go? She said, I don't want to go to the Tower of Lunch. She wants to go see the poppies. So I said, well, that's OK. Because what we can do is get one of those nice buses, one of those Routemaster buses. And I've got my free card and I've got uh, the Oyster card as well. So that's great. So it doesn't actually cost any. Well, it costs money, but I mean, not really. And uh, so we can go down on the bus, sitting on one of these rickety old things, which I love. I love the Routemaster bus. Drops you at Tower Hill. And then we can look at the place where everybody was executed. Always a bit of a laugh, you know, and because a lot of people miss it. People think that all the executions up there happened inside the Tower of London, but they didn't. It's over the road from the Tower of London, and all it is, it's just a square, and all the way around, you wouldn't know unless you looked at it properly, you, you could bypass it easily. It's just got plaques all the way around the outside of all the people who were executed out there, beheaded, because it was public execution time. And so that was a day out. So I, I would, if, if I was doing a radio in Elizabethan times, I'd be saying, well, this morning, huh, we've got a highwayman. And uh, that execution scheduled for 12 o'clock. We'd like to get up there early and uh, be a bit of music and dancing. And then the execution's at 12. And so we'd all troop up there, you know, sort of with toffee apples and candy floss and everything else. And uh, then we'd all stand there and wait and they'd bring out the poor unfortunate. And we'd all go, yeah, boo, boo. And then they'd execute him and we'll go home again. We'll go back to Elizabethan television. Which, of course, didn't exist, so you'd have to sit there and wait for the next execution, listening to the next ye olde Steve Allen show on radio to find out when the next execution was. But the best ones were in London, at, surprisingly, aptly named Execution Dock, where you'd be having a drink in the pub and they would chain the unfortunate up just over the river uh, at low tide. And then you'd wait for high tide and they'd be drowned. And so you could watch them get sticking their neck up to try and sort of not, not sort of take in the water. That was always good fun. That was fairly popular at the time. You just wish they'd do it nowadays, don't you, really, for some people. But uh, on the subject of Jackie Cooper, who we spoke about, uh, Jackie Cooper was Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet in the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. Well, but he was, he was one of the very few childhood stars, Ken, who made it from childhood to adulthood. I think he stopped making films in, I think, about the 1960s. I might be wrong on that. Don't, don't take my word for it. But it was just interesting to see a child star before the likes of Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple was, uh, was undoubtedly the greatest child star there's ever been, but never made it to adulthood. It didn't work. When, when she sort of had to kiss somebody in a film, people went, oh, I'm not sure about that. But as a child, she was absolutely fantastic. She was just one of those people. I'm delighted to say that all the papers are full of, of uh, more and more tributes to Dear Dear Dickie. I said to you yesterday that uh, nobody will ever equal this man's enthusiasm. And they've all come out, the big, the great, the powerful. Every single person in movies have said the same thing about him, from Steven Spielberg upwards or downwards. They've all said what a passionate man he was, what a, what a fantastic person, how powerful he was, how interested in people. There was just something about him. When he walked in a room and smiled, he lit up the place. His wife's 92. She's in Denville Hall. And, but for the last six years, apparently, his, his friends have said he hardly spoke. He hardly spoke because he was, he was so traumatised by the death of a couple of members of the family. And he was in a wheelchair after he fell downstairs. Steve Allen on LBC. Coming up very shortly, it's the news at five o'clock on LBC. And in the next part of the programme, the words that have fallen out of favour. The woman with a fear 
of flying, who's now stranded in Tunisia, poor soul. And Lauren Goodger's mother has admitted it's her fault her daughter has body issues. She's done an interview in OK magazine. Uh, the cancer conquerors, the survival rates are now better than ever before. Dynamo is now grateful to the bullies. All of that, and do it again now. All of that and uh, more between now and 6.31. Oh, and Kenny Sampson's fallen off the wagon again. There's a picture of him on a park bench and then slumped on the grass. It's another gaza. What is it about these people in football? I've got no idea. The great bank holiday washout was a, a total disaster for everybody. Oh, and Manchester United. They've changed a footballer's number, but only after a mother has bought the strip with his old number. And they've said, well, that's in the contract. They're not going to give her her money back. So now our kid's got the wrong number on his little strip. As opposed to it being 44, it now says number 11. He's stuck with 44. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That's next. LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Tuesday. I'm so sorry. You've had the bank holiday. Did you enjoy it, sitting on the beach? Did you have ice cream? Did you dabble your feet in the sea? No, you just sat indoors and stuck your feet out the back door, didn't you? Mean Manchester United. No refund for a boy's ruined kit. He's really, really embarrassed, I'm afraid. Really embarrassed. Oh, and breakfast. Contrary to what people tell you about it being the meal of the day, they now say it's not so crucial. All of that, the woman with the fear of flying is now stranded in Tunisia. We get this, it makes you wonder how she got out there in the first place. Words that have fallen out of favour and the bumbling workman who can't spell the word bus. I know it seems fairly simple, doesn't it? And unfortunately, in one part of the country, they've got no idea how to spell at all. All of that and more on LBC this morning. Which is nice to have your company as well. It's Steve Allen with, uh, with Early Breakfast. So here's this poor lad in the paper today. Here's this poor lad. His name's James Collins. He's a big footy fan. He's a Man United fan. Now, you know Manchester United have always been in the papers, always been pulled apart because they changed their strip more times than I comb my hair. And each time it costs the fans a small fortune. That's why they're one of the richest clubs in the country. Uh, because as far as I see it, they, they're just exploiting the fans. Anyway, James Collins is an eight-year-old. And his mum bought him a kit for his birthday. And uh, this was the squad number for uh, Adnan... Januzes. I don't know how you pronounce his name because I'm not a football fan. But she spent £93.20 on an eight-year-old. £93.20. It's hilarious, isn't it? But uh, the strip had a bold number 44 on the back of it because that was Adnan's number. And then Manchester United, it had only been on sale a month, they changed his number to number 11. Consequently, he's now got a strip which is blooming useless to him. It's got 44 on the back of it. He doesn't want to wear 44. He's eight years old. He wants number 11. His mum, Cheryl... It's odd, isn't it, really? I, they often get this in the papers. Explain this to me. His mum's called Cheryl Campbell. He's called James Collins. Don't, don't you think he should be maybe James Campbell? Or is it one of the single parent things? I mean, I don't want to say that in Manchester. But anyway, she demanded a refund, saying his birthday treat's been ruined because he's terrified of being teased if he wears the shirt. But the club, which spends millions every year signing players, refused to return the £93.20, saying they always reserve the right to make changes to the squat and their numbers. Well, what's the point? Why don't you just, you know, if you're a Man United fan, you must be feeling really peeved by this. So, in other words, at whim, they can change the number. So, having managed to rip you off for £93.20 for a strip that probably costs less than 20 quid to make abroad, it can't be made here, can it? Nobody in their right mind gets anything made here. She says, I'm not a football fan. But it's, it's fans like James who keep the clubs like Man United going. Well, it's not. It's people like you that want to spend £93.20. That's what keeps the club going. 
And, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't understand how they can do it, she says. Well, I don't understand either. He's either number 44 or he's not. And to then have it, so they then print it up on his shirt, which, which has his name on it, and then the number 44. So her little eight-year-old's got this kit, and then they change his number to number 11. So what's she supposed to do? Spend another £93.20? I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, really, just how how out of touch with the people they really are. So they've basically stuck two fingers up and they've said, no, we're not changing it at all. It's part of the remit, you know, we're allowed to change people. Well, what's the point? You've just ruined a little eight-year-old's birthday, but they don't care about that. Sod you. That's what it is. That's what it's coming down to, isn't it? It's coming down to the fact that uh, you've spent £93.20. Ha, 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 ha. And we're going to get another £93.20 out of you. Because what is it? It's totally useless. That's totally useless, that uh, that shirt number to him now. It's got 44 on it. He's now number 11, his favourite player. That's the whole... I mean, I don't understand why people want to buy this stuff anyway, but that's just me. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You might disagree. You might disagree, but I don't see how you could ever disagree on something like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, 84850, Dean says, if you want to use the loo at the tower, there's a 50p charge. Well, you have to go before you leave home. If you want to use proper toilets, they're going to be paid. Yes, I, mean, I don't mind paying to go to the toilet. It doesn't bother me in the slightest now. And that, I'm being diabetic. When I want to go, I, I want to go. It's as simple as that. I'm not bothered whether it actually costs money. Well, I don't think I'm too bothered. Uh, 84850, uh VAT is simple, says John in Bubble. Oh, I know it's simple. I do it online. I know, how, I know how to do it. It just takes me time. You know, it, it'll probably take me 15 minutes to do it today. And as soon as I've uh, done it, you know, I should be a happy person. I should go out there and go, yeah, and celebrate. Uh, Jackie Cooper also played the kid in the original film, says Bill, 84850. And uh, now that LBC has gone national, um, it says, uh, I, I thought I would take my digital radio uh, to the Bonnie Banks of Loch Lomond. You take the high road and I'll take the low road and I'll be in Scotland afore ye. Uh, and I'm amazed at the quality of reception up here. Clear as a bell. And possibly better than at home in Crawley in West Sussex. We're staying very close. Fantastic. So uh, now that we're national, you can pick us up. Digital radio. In other words, wherever you go in the country, you can take pick it up on the car radio. If, you, if you're lucky enough to have digital in the uh, in the car, which is great. Malcolm says... Uh, BBC One showed a good tribute to Dickie Attenborough uh, last night. Oh, it just seems wonderful. I know it seems... Awful. You know, he was just... I'd, I'd love to have talked to him. Love to have talked to him. Um, uh, judge Rinder's not a judge. He's a barrister, says Theresa. Well, for the purposes of this programme, he's a judge. It's only a television programme. It doesn't actually make any difference. And um, Zach says he makes Julian Clary seem butch. Yes. Um, somebody says Skegness is full of chavs. You'd love it, Steve. Frinton is more you. Yes, possibly, actually. Yes, possibly, Frinton. Could be, uh, could be more me. Uh, Ricky Gervais set the office in Slough, showing it off to be the dreary hellhole that it really is. Yes, I mean, I, I, I think that's why he did it. I think that was part of the, uh, part of the taking the mickey. Spare a thought, though, today for some, some poor lady. She's in, she's in a lot of the papers. Her name is Samantha Disney. Isn't that a lovely name? Samantha Disney uh, is on holiday. Um, she was so uh, scared of flying that she and her fiancé ended up stranded for a month in Tunisia, had to fork out an estimated five grand to get home. She was whisked away on a week-long package holiday by her partner, who proposed during the trip. Right from the beginning, the romantic getaway did not get smoothly on. Miss Disney, who's always been a nervous flyer, 
was prescri- prescribed, sorry, I shouldn't laugh, prescribed medication to get her onto the plane at Gatwick Airport, only to suffer a panic attack in midair. I mean, make sure, why don't they just sedate them? It'd be so much, or failing that, just don't let them on planes. If somebody has to be sedated to get on a plane and is given medication, don't let them fly. They're a danger to themselves. Anyway, they made it to the hotel in uh, the Scheherazade Hotel in Sousse. But as they were preparing to fly home, Miss Disney was gripped by fear and refused to leave for the airport. Oh, God, so now we've got her over there. Didn't we have a boy in Dubai a while ago, a little boy about 12, 13? And I said, just slip him a Mickey Finn, put him something in his drink, and he passes out, get him on the plane, keep him sedated until he gets to the other end, then take him off and go, look, you're home. Look at that. We walked. Anyway, she was gripped by fear, refused to leave for the airport. After flying her mother out to calm her down, she eventually agreed to get on a ferry to France before taking the Eurostar. She and her fiancé, Chris Young, no more foreign holidays for you two, arrived at their home in Ramsgate more than a month after flying to Tunisia. Miss Disney said it ruined what should have been an incredible holiday. Chris proposed and we were really celebrating. It was a blight on the whole thing. We missed out on our work for a month and it was draining on our bank balances. It was absolutely awful. She's a dog groomer. I rest my case. I rest my case. I was thinking, what sort of job means you can stay away for a month? She's a dog groomer. OK. And so she knows that she suffers from things like, what's she go on it in the first place for? He must have known. Perhaps he didn't know. Anyway, she was hyperventilating, sick throughout the two and a half hour journey. After making it to the hotel, given tablets by a Tunisian doctor, but lost her nerve again, she said, I completely freaked out. I wasn't breathing very well. Oh, God, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. They returned to the hotel, but they had to pay £104 a night for the room, far more than during their package break, which cost 1600 And so they then end up coming home by, by ferry. Her mother also suffers from panic attacks. Imagine a whole family on a plane, all having a breakdown at the same time. She was flown out to calm her down, and then she was finally coaxed onto the ferry. What's the problem? Why do you mean coaxed onto the ferry? What's the matter with the ferry? It's not flying, is it? Which then they took them to Marseille, and then they got a train to Paris, and then they took the Eurostar to Ashford. She says, in total, we must have spent five grand. The only saving grace was the hotel staff. They were fantastic. Of course they were, dear. You were paying way above the normal rate. You're a dog groomer doing very well financially, aren't you? Managed to, you know, got all that money. But the old tax man's looking at you very carefully this morning, going, let's have a quiet look at this one. So this is Samantha Disney, dog groomer from Kent. And she's had a holiday that's cost her five grand. Blimey, you must be doing very, very well indeed. Uh, eight for eight five, Yanisai. Is that how you pronounce his, his name? Is that Yanisai? Is that, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's an awful lot of money for a Manchester United strip, whichever way you look at it. Oh, another picture of Skegness. Now we know it's, it's Chav. Uh, I'm not sure. This is from... Oh, that's quite pretty, isn't it? Oh, where's the end of the pier gone? Is, it, is something fallen off the end of the pier here, Bill? It's a very nice picture. Do you know, I could see myself sitting at the end there. Fish and chips, fending off the seagulls. <laughs> it's quite nice, isn't it? I haven't been to a seaside for a long time. Long, long time. I don't think they let people like me on the beach anymore. I'm far too big. I certainly wouldn't be taking any clothes off. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. And... Uh, <laughs> if the Scots votes for independence, they can't be leading Britain's conversation. No more LBC on Loch Lomond, I presume. <laughs> Some facts. Highwaymen, says Patricia, were not executed in the tower, only noblemen by beheading. I was just making it up, dear. It was part of a comedy routine. OK, I was just sort of, you know, I didn't want to name all the people who were executed outside there. And uh, Jackie Cooper, 
Uh, went on to star on the TV show The Munsters in the 60s, but he's dead now, whatever happens. I'll just say, I wish I'd not mentioned him, actually, to be honest with you. It provokes far more controversy than ever before. Uh, what else we got today? Well, lots of, uh, lots of dear, dear Dicky stuff. Uh, from wooing his wife to making spellbinding movies, a giant of British cinema. Do you know, I wish I'd had enough money to buy his house at £11.5 million, pounds, but I didn't, so I can't. And here is uh, Bungling Workman. This is in Bristol. They can't... You know when they move bus stops and they write bus stop in the road so you know it's a bus stop? They write it in yellow. I think this is, this is done for simple people. And in Bristol, they can't spell. Bus stop is spelled... Well, they, they can manage to spell the word stop. So that's quite good, isn't it? Uh, then they got carried away and it's called bup stop. B-U-P. Supposed to be US. I mean, talk about dim. It's not the first time it's been done, actually. It's happened before where they've sort of gone around the country. It's people who don't know how to spell... And they and they said, would you like to go and write bus stop in the road? Yes, we're going to do bus stop. It's like the other day, we, we've got uh, Conway in Twickenham doing all the, uh, the, the road works and doing the pavements and everything else. And I thought, rather unwisely, that they were an Irish company. So they'd be employing Irish navvies. No, there appear to be no Irish navvies anymore. These are all Polish. I've not heard one word of English spoken at all. Is there anybody in... Po- Hello? Is Poland still going? Is there anybody over there? Or are they all in Twickenham at the moment? Jonathan Randall's in Toronto. How lovely. Must be quite nice there. Uh, Andrew Morris. He says, finally, another person who feels the same about Slough. Or I think even people who live in Slough, Andrew, think it's a dump. You know, you wouldn't... I mean, the only good thing about it is the fact that they've twinned it with some horrible place overseas. And um, and, and the good news is, you say, you're now leaving Slough. Which is fantastic, you know. That's like, yeah, there's much cheering and rejoicing. Uh, 84850. Uh, Man United give everybody enough warning time that some players' kit numbers would change. Well, even for a little boy... You know, she's only just bought it for his birthday. She doesn't know anything about football. She doesn't know the fact that they're, they're trying to rake in as much money as possible. She doesn't know that. She just thinks she's... Spe- oh, look at the time. Uh, she just thinks that they're, they're, they're doing it for the kit. But never mind. It's uh, just gone quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Uh, Nick Ferrari and the team at seven today, back after the weekend break. Boris Johnson says all Brits who visit Syria are terrorists and should be considered guilty until proven innocent. Nick wants to know, is he right? Plus, as a young man is killed while filming for the social media craze Ice Bucket Challenge, Nick will be finding out if this phenomenon now has gone too far. And the Lib Dems want to teach your kids about sex from the age of seven. But is that too young? Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning. Looking at the papers today, Ben Preston, editor of the Radio Times. This ice bucket challenge is absolutely unbelievable. I wonder really how many people who do it, especially all the celebrities who jump on the bandwagon, are they seriously raising money for motor neurons disease or are they just doing it to get their picture in the paper? Because that's what it was set up for. It's to raise money for motor neurons who by now should be absolutely minting it, the amount of celebrities who've done it. But I have a sneaking feeling that many of the celebrities who do it just do it um, so that they can get their picture in the paper. And they go, oh, look, we've got a picture of the paper. How many actually donate money? I've got no idea. Uh, why Cheryl's crazy hair and outfit got her the X Factor chop? No, it's because she was rubbish. That's why. And also the fact nobody understood her. She turned up uh, with this ridiculous hair looking like some reject from a, from a Dolly Parton stage show from years ago. And also the Americanisms. Which are, uh, which are creeping into the language, and we're losing a lot of old English words. So, I mean, in the, in the early 1990s, uh, we used to have words like marvellous, fetch, walkman, pole, pussycat, marmalade, drawers, cheerio. Those were the, we don't, don't hear those words now very often. In the early 2010s, Facebook, internet, website... 
awesome. Email, Google, smartphone, iPhone, essentially, and treadmill. We're all on a treadmill, have you noticed? I mean, I personally don't use that word very often. I can't think of any words that I use all the time. I'd love to weave pussycat into the conversation. But uh, I fear today it is, it is not going to be possible. Not going to be possible. Uh, looking at the, uh, the dank holiday deluge, but we love it, don't we? We absolutely love it. I don't know why we moan about it. I love it. I mean, it rained yesterday, and I did think, is it ever going to stop? But then I thought, no, it cleans the pavements, makes us look quite nice. Mark and James are in Australia. Well, so they say. You know, they say they're cleaning houses. I don't know how you've ever got time to clean houses in Australia. I suspect they're, 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 they're probably in some way ghastly. You know, like Skegness, and they're just sort of sending in a thing now, just to uh, just to sort of find out. Um, uh, one of your listeners said Jackie Cooper was in the TV show. The actor was Jackie Coogan, uh, and he was Uncle Fester in the Adams Family. Yes, Jackie Cooper was the one who died twenty eleven. He was in this thing. He was great. He was such a such a good little good little lad. He really was really good little lad. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, the eyes we think are getting a little bit better. Although I've noticed after about an hour and a half, be, one of them becomes a little bit sore, but it's it's still looking a little bit better, a little bit better than it uh, than it was the other day when we've had a, a week of it. Perhaps it takes a week. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a little bit impatient, though. I'm afraid. I noticed Beyonce turned up the other day. Uh, she was given a Lifetime Achievement Award. I wouldn't mind as if, you know, 190, but she's, she's not very old at all. And she turned up with the husband and baby just to prove that there's nothing the matter with the relationship. But we're not fooled by it, are we? We think there's something the matter. Uh, they, 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 their daughter as well, Blue Ivy. And, uh, and dad, Jay-Z. Jay, or in, in this country, Jay-Z. Jay-Z would be Z-double-E, but it's Jay-Z as far as I'm concerned. They presented Beyoncé with a Lifetime Achievement Award, which reduced her to tears. Well, she must have known about it. I mean, they must have said you're going to be... That's why she picked a nice outfit. In fact, some of their outfits, how they get themselves into them, I've got no idea. So they've done a feature in one of the papers today on what, on what people wear when they go to these awards. Laughingly, who was it who turned up? Who's that woman who was over here a short while ago? And, uh, and she didn't... Wait a minute, it might be in the mirror. And then she didn't do very well, so she tiddled off back to America again. And I said, why would we ever bother? Oh, that's right, it's a picture of Cher Lloyd. Spends most of her time in America, came over, the album bombed. And then and they sort of wonder why it didn't work. I mean, just seriously think, well, that's stupid to sit here. And then you, you pop back in when you feel like it, and we're going to buy your album. I don't think so, dear. I don't think so. So she turned up at the LA Video Music Awards... And uh, they say she's got the style factor, yeah? Just not shifting albums, is she, really? Not over here. She might be shifting them in, in, the, in the state. She's really not. Uh, greatest riff of all time for all you air guitar people. Uh, at number 10, Money. Dum, 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 dum. Pink Floyd from Dark Side of the Moon. The Kinks. Dum, 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 dum. You really got me. Uh, dire Straits. I can't sing Money for Nothing, but you know how it goes. Down, 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 down. Status quo. Uh, number six, The Smiths, How Soon Is Now. I've never even heard of it. Have you heard of, I've heard of The Smiths, I've never even heard of the song. Oh, Beth's never heard of it either, so it can't be much cop. She's not heard of it, no point. Uh, Layla, da 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 from Derek and the Dominoes. Smoke on the Water, dun, 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 dun. It's number four. Back in Black by ACDC, never even heard of it. AC, I've heard of the group ACDC, but I've never heard of that. Guns and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. We've heard of that one. I thought it was done by somebody else. And uh, number one, the top ten, the greatest riff of all time, is... It was Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Got a whole lot of love. I think they used it for Top of the Pops at one point, didn't they? Done by the Top of the Pops Orchestra. It didn't quite have as much meaning. 
but it was uh, it was still very good indeed. And incidentally, if you have just woken up, I must just tell you it's Tuesday. I, I know you might have thought that it's Monday. But no, it's Tuesday, so a much shorter week for you this week. Yes, that, that hilarious day you had yesterday was called the Bank Holiday, OK? And, uh, and you'll never see the like of it again. Um, Howard says, I've just won the contract to demolish Slough. It'll be rebuilt based on Blackpool, Chow's not included. It's a funny area, Slough, it really is. I mean, I, I went there once, I, was, I kept the doors locked, I'm not stupid. Uh, and uh, on the subject of Skegness, uh, Alan says, I stayed at Skegness for five days... The flat owner wanted us to leave at 8 in the evening. I pointed out it included five nights, usually leaving at 10am. I had to explain it all to her. Yep, they, they are thick. Well, the beach looks lovely. Seriously, seriously does, Alan. You know, it, it, it looks quite nice. I'm quite, uh, quite impressed with the beach. Mind you, he might have taken it and airbrushed people out. Might have been a lot of people pushing uh, push chairs. Uh, 84850, uh, steve at lbc.co.uk. on C. Says, Dean, have you been there? No. I believe Chris Lowry's got a beach hut at Frinton-on-Sea. And are you sure it's got a fish and chip shop? Are you sure? I didn't think they wanted things like that. They actually try and keep it relatively clean from all the the excesses. It's like a little place that's steeped in history, which I don't have a problem with. I like that idea. The idea that somewhere is uh, is sort of, you know, steeped in everything, but they don't have to put up with the with the modern technical bits. 84850. I was asleep. Did you give uh, Judge Rinder the thumbs up or down, says Sarah? I gave it down, I'm afraid. I, gave it d- I just don't think he's much cop. I really don't. Winnie says, I'm off to the gym to have a marvellous treadmill session. Uh, treadmill, you see, we've managed to weave the word in for you today. Whatever happened to railway station? Even the BBC now say train station, says Dave. I mean, come on, it's a railway station railway station. We don't, do we call them guards anymore? Well, we don't call dustbin men dustbin men, do we? We call them refuse operatives. You know, they're dustbin men. They're dustbin men. And they used to have a, a, a teddy bear years and years ago strapped to the front of the lorry. Actually, equal rights for teddies. That This teddy would be paraded through the streets like he'd, he'd done something horribly wrong. And they'd have found it in the, in the rubbish and they'd just tied him onto the front of the rubbish truck. And it never occurred to me till years later that this poor teddy was being held to ransom. So if ever you see a teddy bear strapped to the uh, front of a, of a refuse lorry, you call the police immediately. Teddy's being held to ransom. What's the time? It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. So Mark and James are in this place called Caratha. Have you ever heard of such a place in your entire life? It's a bit like Disneyland, I suppose. Cleaning houses in a mining town. Not exactly the butcher's thing we we could ever do, is it, really? So he sent me in a photo cleaning a house in Caratha, which is a mining town. I mean, I think you're in a prison. These look like bars at the window. I'm sorry. It definitely looks as though you're in some sort of prison. And, um... I love the idea of yellow overalls. Hello, yellow overalls, not the butcher's colour. Blue, it should have been, but they get a mining town and they've got cleaners, ladies, in Australia. Getting camper by the day over in that place. <laughs> really. I found an advert, actually, in one of the papers today. And just while we were listening to the, uh, to the news and the travel, I was sort of looking at this advert thinking, this is interesting. And it's, they're, they're advertising already. I know, it's, I know it's August, but you've got to book your Christmas parties. And this is one being held at Pontins on the Suffolk coast, a place called Pakefield. It's a self-drive holiday. I don't quite know what that means. Apart from that, you obviously drive into it. And it's a cool weekend, 14th of November. This is a Christmas party in November. And they've got original six... Oh, it's near Lowestoft in Suffolk. That's nice, isn't it? Uh, They've got marmalade. This will appear to Noreen. 
uh, appeal to her. The Dakotas and the new Amen Corner. And there's a private party and you get three free drinks every night and you get bed and breakfast and three dinners as well and upgrades are available. But the interesting thing is they've also got a super 70s party with Alvin Stardust. We were only talking about him the other day and uh, tributes to Rod Stewart and Frankie Valley. But what does it say here? Over 40s only. Is that interesting? Over 40s only. So obviously they're, they're, they're trying to keep the kid element out of it, and so they say over 40s. I mean, it sounds much better, but you don't... It's like saying, you know, over 60s only. You don't really want to sort of go to a place like that. I'd want to go to a place where there were sort of younger people to make it not look as though we were all terribly, terribly old. Somebody else has uh, said... Um, this is Bill. The pictures of Skegness I sent you were taken on my phone about 10 days ago on my day trip. They weren't airbrushed, he says. I'm not technically savvy. <laughs> I went to Sheffield once. <laughs> only the once. It's where they make knives and forks, isn't it, in Sheffield? I, don't I remember going to a garage and I was trying to find a hotel. So I pull in the car and obviously in Sheffield they don't see many cars like mine. And uh, so I pulled in and, and I said to the bloke in the garage, I'm looking for so-and-so, so-and-so. He said, yeah, I can tell you where that is. He said, it'll cost you a pound. So I had to give him a pound, which went, went into a charity box before he gave me directions as to where I was going. <laughs> Actually, on reflection, I thought it was quite good value. And I thought, well, at least it went, went to charity and he didn't actually put the money into his, into his pocket. Uh, enjoyable weekend, says Gary at the National Relays Triathlon Championship. My club, Hillingdon Triathletes, had the over-50s ladies win gold and our male over-50s A-team won bronze. I was in the B team. We did great, but just outside the medals. This evening, I'm doing your favourite activity, a night swim at Thorpe Lake. He does these in lakes where they've got reeds and fish come up and touch you and oh uh, horror conger eels come up and drag you under the water uh, it's vile absolutely vile it starts at 8 p.m until 10 p.m so it's pitch dark out there absolutely pitch dark and he said they've got a jacuzzi as well should be a different experience swimming in the dark with glow sticks oh you wouldn't get me out there for love nor money so they climb into it it's all oh muddy and oh dirty by the and you climb in and, and you oh no you swim across there it's icky icky not nice. I mean, you know what? You know, they have Canada geese, and you know the mess they make everywhere. And you pad through that in your feet, and then you get into the water, and you're swimming in dirty lakes. Dirty lakes with huge crocodiles and alligators that come up from underneath and just grab you, and, and they lose people all the time. And then they sort of take you under the water, and you go to another kingdom, and it's just terrible. That's why. And also, then reeds touch you, and... Oh, no! I could... Eels. Eels as well. E or even just fish. Fish full stop. Um, um, if anything touched me, I would be screaming out loud. I would be like a banshee, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't like that kind of thing at all. I don't know why you do it. You're mad. Absolutely stark staring mad, I'm afraid. Um, Siobhan says, I don't know. I know I don't listen all the time. A bit late with my son to look after, but you make me laugh. OK, fine. Medication, maybe? Something like that. And uh, re-classic... Rift, Stairway to Heaven, Lola, Long Way Home by Supertramp. So many, says Ray. Tony says, I did a marathon in uh, Slough once, four times around a, a reservoir kind of thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> there is a street in Islington, London, should say Muriel Street, but the workman put the transfer on back to front, so it says, says Layram Street, says Mitch. I like that idea. I think that's, uh, that's quite uh, funny. Uh, there is the lard bucket challenge, which is catching on now. You have to eat more pork pies than Eamon Holmes. All profits to Weight Watchers. I think he, he, he has stopped 
whispering on the small when he does this morning he used to whisper all the time and you could hear you could hear the wife but you couldn't hear him i had to keep adjusting the volume on the television but it's okay now uh, there's a, a coronation street beauty in the paper today called alison king i don't know who she is i really don't know who she is she plays uh oh she's carla barler oh, okay she's asked bosses for security after it emerged a deranged woman is stalking her uh this oddball confronted her during a public appearance, frantically shoving at the star a sheaf of papers covered with scribblings and bizarre ramblings. Alison Alison was so shaken that she made her excuses and fled the event immediately. And uh, somebody said, this woman is a regular at the show studios and often waits by the gate. She seems obsessed with Alison. But you do get that, don't you? I mean, I quite understand how people become obsessed with people on the television because they believe that they're real. I, believe, I should imagine most of the people on the Jeremy Carl show, they probably believe that Emmerdale is a real place and there is a pub called the Woolpack and you can go and have a drink there. I think that's what they, they think. And then they've had various other people, because a lot of trolls will stalk people on the television. Uh, David Watson, who's 74, was convicted in May of superimposing Jenny McAlpine and Kim Marsh's heads on nude snaps sent to their homes. Helen Flanagan fled a hotel room in 2011, fearing an intruder was under her bed. But then she's barking mad, isn't she, all the way through. Somebody's done a thing about her. She's in uh, Casualty or something like that. Somebody said, because she's troweled her makeup on and she's got a lot of cleavage showing, it obviously detracts from the fact she can't act for toffee. But uh, that's the best she's going to get at the moment. And then... um, in 2000, Kevin Sedgwick, a convicted child sex offender, was told by a judge to keep away from Tracy Shaw after he admitted harassing her over five years. Five years. Dreadful, isn't it, really? You have to mention these people and their names because and now you've got somebody else in the programme. Oh, dear. Alan says, I spent a week in Burma in, in Slough one day. Zach says, do you think that Rav Wilding's wooden presenting is because he used to be a wooden top? He, yeah, he used to be a policeman, didn't he? I don't like him. I don't like him. There's something about Rav Wilding I really don't like. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Khalid and Mick are going off to Wales delivering beds. You'd think by now they'd be a little bit bored with that, but apparently not. Stephen Addiscombe says, will we be seeing you do the ice bucket challenge anytime soon? No, you won't. Not certainly not intentionally. No, well, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I know it's supposed to raise money for charity, but it doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. Why would you want to stand there, you know, in your scanties, while somebody pours cold water? What's the point of that? I had that when the boiler broke a short while ago. I don't want to go through it again, thank you very much indeed. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. This, uh, this uh, Ebola, uh, the British hero, has said here, I will beat Ebola in two weeks and be back in Africa. He wanted to go out there. He wanted to go out and he wanted to do his bit and he's totally convinced that he's going to be, he's going to be all right and he'll go back out there again. And, you know, to be quite honest, I think he's probably right. Paul Gascoigne spent three weeks on a gin bender before being rushed to hospital. As I said uh, before, I couldn't really care less. I'm sorry, it's, it, it's come to this now. A man who doesn't want to help himself. His friends have helped him. They've raised money. They've paid for him to go into rehab. They've paid for this. They've paid for that. It's done no good at all. Wants to drink himself to death, then uh, so be it. I don't really think the NHS should waste its time. I know that they will, but I don't think they will. And here's uh, Kenny Samson slumped on a bench with a bottle of wine after falling off the wagon. The ex-Arsenal defender crashed out on the grounds to sleep it off in Orpington after admitting I'm as drunk as a skunk. He said he wanted to go back to rehab. They all say that, don't they? The moment they're actually seen by somebody, they go, oh, I'll go to rehab. And you get, well, you've been into rehab before. He said, it's a problem that I've, I've had, like Gaza and George Best. Well, George Best is dead. 
So, uh, you know, unless Gaza wants to head the same way, he needs to seek help. But he's got no money. So do people have to fork out for him yet again? Do we have to fork out under the NHS? I don't know where we go with him. I don't, he obviously doesn't want to help himself. All this garbage that they give you about, oh, yes, you know, I, I really want to go back into rehab and I want to get myself better. They quite clearly don't. They quite clearly, they, they feel much happier when they've got a bottle of booze and Gaza has had a lot of booze with him for ages and ages and he's had this three-week bender kicked out of the, uh, the flat. Dave says, ironically, most police officers don't like uh, Rav Wilding. Uh, full of himself and arrogant. Well, I don't, see, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think he's any good. He started off on that um, programme on the BBC with Nick... Was it Nick Owen or something? I think it was Nick Owen. And, um, and then all of a sudden he decided he quite liked the limelight. But he's a bit naff, I'm afraid. And that's, that's all it is. Andy from Portsmouth, he says, where it's pouring down, says, I've noticed an American phrase creeping into our terminology back in the day. Do you know what I don't like? Upcoming. I hate the word upcoming. They say in the upcoming Notting Hill Carnival or the upcoming film. I thought it was forthcoming. I don't like upcoming at all. It's a horrible Americanism. It's, it's like when, when you go into a coffee shop, you go and say, can I help you? Well, actually, they don't go, can I help you? And, uh, and you go, uh, can I get... And then you go into your sort of, can I get a latte? Can I get... Whatever happened to, could I have... Could I have a latte or could I have a cappuccino? Easy on the chocolate sprinkles. But, you know, can I get... Can I get a so-and-so? Is that the other expression you used to hear on the radio all the time was weather-wise. They used to say weather-wise. I never knew what it meant, weather-wise. You know, DJs would say, uh, it's a big uh, quarter to six at Hiccup the Beatles. Weather-wise today, it's going to be about 13 degrees and absolutely tipping it down. You know, and you think, I don't know what you're talking about half the time. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all done it and all been there, haven't we? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'll try and hit the, the time check, actually, on time today. Because it's Tuesday, you're all back to work, and it's not so great. Still to come, uh, Lauren Goodger's mother has now droned on to anybody who can be remotely bothered with her boring daughter. Because in, in the Big Brother house, they don't mention her at all now. She's all but vanished into the, into the, into the woodwork. She's so dull, she's so boring... And she's got absolutely nothing to say for herself. I've never met anybody who is so dull on a programme. I'm not interested in the body issues. It's just the fact she's boring. Small wonder she's single. Quarter to six. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. Apparently, Skegness is a favourite resort for people in the East Midlands, says Tony in York, which is one of my favourite places. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. It's Tuesday morning. Yes, you've had the bank holiday. That was it. That was it. Nothing to do. You couldn't, I mean, the only thing you could ever do is sit there parked up on the seaside with the windscreen wipers on, and that would be the best, wouldn't it? Make your, you know, your sandwiches in the morning and sit there staring out to sea, and it was just boring, I'm afraid. Very boring. Much better to stay in and watch a good old film. Slade in Chelsea. When I say Slade in Chelsea, audience figures halved. Halved. Apparently, they did get... Uh, for last week's show, 720,000, 350,000 regular viewers enjoyed the bank holiday weekend instead. So, in other words, watching rain coming down was more, more appealing than watching these numbskulls who are over in America, like poor Spencer Matthews. What a boring man he is! I had no idea how dull he was. He was talking to Louise, because all they talk about is who they've who they've been out with, who they want to go out with, and Louise appears to have done the rounds. Exactly the same way as I was watching an old... The only way is Essex. 
<coughs> and it was where Joey Essex was in the programme, so it must have been ages ago. And I think he'd been out with Sam Fahir's. I think they probably held hands or something, an air kiss. That was about it. And uh, she'd been off with somebody else. It turns out she's been she's done the rounds in Essex. There's not many people she doesn't seem to have been out with in the past, which is a little bit of a worry. And so over in the Big Brother house, which has got sort of another bunch of non-entities in it, uh, you've got Lauren Goodyear. So Lauren Goodyear gets coverage when she goes into the house, mainly because there is no work on the horizon for Lauren Goodyear. She's had her day, and the reason is she's boring. And there's nothing worse. You know, if she had half a brain cell or half a personality, there might be something interesting going on, but she's got nothing going on at all. She contributes nothing to any conversation. She's got nothing to talk about. She's learnt nothing. She's, she's a bit childlike, I'm afraid. But now her mother... Has, uh, has been interviewed by OK Magazine. God knows why. I mean, who's interested in her mother? And so she says, it's all my fault that Lauren's got body issues. Really? Does that account for the fact she can't find a boyfriend and she's boring? Is that your fault as well? So apparently she's had a boob job. She's had a nose job. She's had collagen into her lips since they say she found fame. She didn't find fame at all. There's no fame. She's just somebody who's been on television a few times. There's no fame. Perhaps Lauren Goodyear's mother is as daft as she is. And she says, Lauren's insecurities stem from when she went to live with her dad at the age of four. Really? That's what you think it is, do you? You're an expert on this, are you? I was depressed. I didn't get help and I rejected Lauren. Asked if Lauren has ruined her looks. Cheryl said she was so pretty. I'm not against her having her nose done, but I don't like the big lips. I wish she'd stop. She said people think she's self-obsessed and she loves herself, but she doesn't. Well, tell her to stop saying it then. Except, you know, you're either very stupid as a mother, or you're so dim that you've had to go into a magazine to tell us something that we know more of. So far in the show, she's flirted with everybody. I mean, it's a bit sad, isn't it? Because she's boring. I don't like saying that about people, because I think that's the worst thing you can say about somebody, is that they're, they're dull. Because if somebody's dull and they've got no personality, why would you want to hang around them? And in fact, even Jim Davidson... Not one of my most favourite people in the entire world. But even he said, he said, she's, you wouldn't even know she was there. And it's not because they've cut her out. It's just because she's not done anything of any interest. You'd think, I mean, I think her agent must have said to her, go in there and start a relationship with somebody because you'll get coverage in the papers. Well, she tried that, but then the person kind of gave up on her because she's boring. And so at the moment, you're sort of looking at people like Claire King, because she needs to get herself noticed. Uh, you've got Angelique Frenchie Morgan. I mean, she's quite barking. Nobody's ever heard of her before. Ricky uh, is just some reject from some Geordie Shaw programme. Uh, Adele Lynch was singing that song that Bewitched had, Say La Vie. I mean, it was boring, first time round, sung by three people, sung by one person. It's even more dull. Uh, Gary Boosie, looking a little bit less bonkers at the moment. Uh, George Gilby um, is, is just... Somebody very plain and very unattractive. Stephanie Pratt. I think we should get rid of her straight away. She's quite clearly got one or two issues. And the nasty person, James Jordan. I mean, really horrible in the programme. Not just horrible in the programme, he's horrible to everybody. One of these days he's going to end up with a bloody nose walking around the garden. We're all going to laugh at him. Because he seriously thinks he's something. You know, he feels like, say, I've been on television for eight years. Yeah, and they dropped you. Because you're quite clearly not very nice, I'm afraid. Leslie Jordan, they don't seem to like at all, but I absolutely adore him. And uh, White D, couldn't care less about. She could fall off the end of South End Pier and I would cheer, ladies and gentlemen. It's funny, isn't it? I'm still waiting to see some depression. Obviously, sort of, you know, showing off or doing what she's done all her life, which is just sit back on her fat bottom, is the kind of thing she enjoys doing. Uh, the guitar riffs, says Julie. I have ACDC 
uh, back in black as my mobile ringtone. Come along to a gridlock gig and Rob the guitarist will play it for you. I've been to Slough once. I went to Slough Fest. It was, um, interesting. Off to see the film Lucy later with Winnie. Heard some good reports about it. A friend of mine went to see the Daniel Radcliffe film the other day. He said the best thing you can say about it, he said, are the credits. He said he didn't like it at all. He didn't like it at all. I don't know why. I'm a big fan of Daniel Radcliffe, so I, I'm going to have to go and see it, aren't I, for myself. Uh, 84850. Uh, love the show. Even when you rant, I can't help but feel you're saying what I'm thinking. Yes. Well, there you go. That's exactly what it is. Whitby. Have anybody ever been to Whitby in their life? It's OK, Whitby. It's the millionaire's playground. And uh, Bill reckons I'd, I'd be more suited to Whitby. Well, I don't know. Skegness looks a bit more fun, actually. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about this beach here. There's people... I don't like people who take dogs onto beaches. I don't know why. I'm <laughs> just a bit funny about things like that. No, I, I like the beach at Skegness a little bit more, Bill. Thank you very much indeed for that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying... You're probably right. Frinton would be my kind of thing. I, I, I quite like the idea of an old... Fa- it's, oh, that's pretty, isn't it? Oh, that's quite pretty, isn't it? You see, I'd like to live there. I'd like... It's, if that's Whitby, I'd like to live there. I'd like to have a fish and chip shop on the front with little tables and chairs and people can eat fish and chips at the tables and chairs. <laughs> Don't ask for a lot in life, do I? Whitby. Imagine commuting from London to Whitby. That'd make it very interesting, wouldn't it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Since you've mentioned Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin, I cannot get it out of my mind. Straight to YouTube when I get home. dun dun dum dum Um... Uh, two of my favourite T-shirts are Zach, Take Me Drunk, I'm Home, also available in Sober, printed on the front, which is good. And um, uh, some people leave public toilets in such a state. I like Judge Rindle, but you can see he's trying to be like Judge Judy. You've got to have your own style, says Winsome in Guildford. Yes, you have. You've, you've got to develop not only your own style, but you've, you've, you've got to make it sound convincing. Don't look as though you're pinching somebody else's act. Because it, it, it just becomes boring, and quite clearly, as we copy so many programmes from America, the reason they're done in America is because we don't have the people over here to do them, and Judge Rinder just, just doesn't cut it for me. Just does not cut it at all. Uh, as you've got the X Factor starting very shortly, there's loads of, uh, loads of silly quotes from little Cheryl Cole saying, I'll cut cowl down to size... Um, it's just, you know, it's just all puff. She doesn't know anything about the music business at all. I don't even know why she's on the programme. She was only brought in because I don't think they could find anybody else. Perhaps they should have stuck White D on there. Uh, Louis Walsh reckons the return of Simon Cowell has upped everybody's game. You need to up your game as well, Louis, this time round. It's no good saying, you know, you nailed that song, you made it your own. We don't want any of these standards. Try and learn some new ones. Like, you know, I think I could manage you. OK, that'd, that'd be a fairly good one to come up with. And he thinks that there's going to be sparks between uh, Simon, Cheryl and Mel B. Um, well, I don't know. You see, I mean, they, they, they've tried to make out that there's some disagreement, haven't they, between Louis Walsh and uh, Cheryl Cole. And, and to be honest, I mean, nobody cares about Cheryl Cole. They really don't. I mean, she's just a numpty and she'll be on the programme. We'll watch it. If they're not going to have the sob stories, what's the point? The whole idea of watching is to get the sob stories and to get those those sort of sad things in which we all laugh at. Otherwise, there is no point. There is no point. My uncle lives in Slough, but prefers calling it Windsor. Um, 
it's it's a thin line, isn't it, between Slough and Windsor. Windsor's sort of more upmarket. It's got the farm shop, which is quite nice, which is good. Uh, Zach says, uh, oh, Gary Bosey may be mad as a box of frogs, but at least he's entertaining. Yes, that's what they're supposed to be when they go into the Big Brother house or they do any of these shows. They're looking for entertaining. That's why they're bringing back Celebrity Squares with Warwick Davis presenting, which should be hilarious. But I don't think they'll be able to find one, two, three, four, six, nine celebrities each time. Because so they'll have to start using people from reality shows. And that's when you'll start realising that they really are as thick as you think they are. They really are nobodies. You know, the people in Chelsea are as dumb as anything. And over in the Only Way is Essex, they're just old and has, has-beens now. And it's, it's really going to be tragic. Who else are you going to put on there? I really have no idea. But they need to find enough celebrities. They can't even find enough people to do Mr and Mrs. They've had to, they had to drag out a short while ago poor old Eamon Holmes and his long-suffering wife. Eamon Holmes? I mean, is there any programme he's not... Has he been on Newsnight recently? Have they ever invited... No because he's, he's low-rent, isn't he? He's sort of Z-list, so they're not going to put him on Newsnight. But, uh, so he, he does all these, these other programmes where he's sort of light-end. And at times he's very good, don't get me wrong. I was the biggest fan of Eamon Holmes for ages. And then he started taking himself a bit too seriously. And once they start doing that, I think John Holmes made a joke about him once, about him eating the furniture. And uh, Eamon became all protective. You know, you've only got to look at him to realise how fat he is. You know, if, if you want to sit there on television looking like you've eaten all the pies, every time they do a cooking spot on this morning, I think they're, don't eat, don't eat it, don't eat it. They'll take the mickey out of you. But each and every time, he can't resist it. So, tax discs on cars. I said at the beginning of the programme, I give you fair warning, ladies and gentlemen. In six weeks' time, on the 1st of... 1st of October, I think it's going to be, tax discs as you know them will end. No more bits of paper to stick on the windscreen. You'll do it online. Um, the woman with the fear of flying still stranded in Tunisia. Well, she was up until the other day when they managed to get her home again. Makes you wonder how she got out there in the first place. Uh, watch your Lego. It's appearing on the black market. People pinch Lego. The great bank holiday washout for so many people. And the tributes pour in to dear, dear Dickie Attenborough. All of that and more on LBC This Morning with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Tuesday morning, you've had your bank holiday. And there's no more, actually. I was hoping the other day we were trying to start a campaign on the programme to give us an extra one. We thought about November the 5th or October, so anything, just to give us an extra day before Christmas. Because your next one is Christmas. Seems ages, doesn't it, really? Uh, that poor woman with the fear of flying. She manages to get to Tunisia. It, it takes her a month to get her back again. She's a, a dog groomer. Don't have a lot of time for dog groomers. Uh, the cancer conquerors. Survival rates better than ever, they say. Dynamo, grateful to bullies. He says if it wasn't without the bullies, he wouldn't be the person that he is today. And I've maintained everything. Bear in mind, he does have a new series to promote. And he's done the bullying story before because I maintain everybody was bullied at school. Doesn't matter who you were. You know, because people always come out now, and, and if, if somebody is a celebrity, in inverted commas, they always sort of say to them, you know, have, have you got any stories that we can sort of try and latch on to something? And they go, I don't know, I was fat as a teenager. Yeah, that's OK. That's not so great. We could do that. Were you bulimic? No. So they, they always look for something, because just, you know, just being a normal person at school uh, or being a normal person on a reality show is of no interest to anybody. They're looking for people who've got some sort of an edge. So you'll probably find that out of Celebrity Big Brother, you know, they'll be voting Lauren Goodger out because she's dull. 
But unfortunately, these people don't make any effort to try and develop a personality. I mean, quite clearly, she's sort of done everything on the fact she's not even... She's not even body dysmorphic. I could understand it if she was like that. If they've got to have a dreary mother in OK magazine explaining the fact that at four she went to live with her father and that's why she's got these issues, it's a load of old twaddle. I've never heard so much rubbish in my life. These people come up with all sorts of excuses as to why people are the way they are. So when Dynamo comes up... You know, with the fact that he only took to magic to get away from the... Bu- if somebody's going to bully you, going pick a card isn't going to help. Take my word for it. Everybody, I think, was bullied at school. Because you're either too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too specky four eyes, too ears sticking out, too freckly. It doesn't matter. You know, everybody was picked on for some reason. That's why the fat kids always bought sweets for everybody else. Because they got bullied because they were fat. So Dynamo got bullied. He's, he's done the bullying story before. Everybody was bullied. I think you find Sarah Harding was bullied at school. And so I maintain that most people at some point were bullied. Either by a teacher or by other people in a class above you or by people in your class. And, and that's the way it is. That's how you get through school. But learning a card trick, I'm afraid, does not stop the bullies. You can imagine... You can imagine if you're sitting there and somebody's about to sort of, you know, hit you or do something else. You go, think of a card. <laughs> Seven of spades. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Whitby is not a millionaire's playground. It's full of goths because of Bram Stoker. Actually, do you find that we, we, we're looking at the, at the pictures of Whitby. Beth likes the pictures of Whitby. She thinks it looks lovely. But there again, she's, she's not been any further than the end of this road. She hasn't been any, she's not allowed to go any further than that. It says so in the ASBO. And, uh, but she's never been to Whitby. But you look at a picture of someone, you think, that looks like a pretty little thing. It is, I mean, I know that places are changing, because I looked at a programme on the telly the other day, and it was in one of the national parks. And I can't remember where it was, and it was obviously one of these fly-on-the-wall documentaries, and they're having problems with off-roaders, kids on trail bikes, and also not kids, some of them were adults. And they were sort of going there and ruining it. And the locals were saying it's dangerous. And you say that, unfortunately, that's just the changing face. Nobody's got any respect for anything nowadays. People just don't care, do they? About, you know, here is, a, I think, you know, the Pennine Way and the walks and everything. It's lovely when you see it on the television. See it the rest of the time when it's miserable and wet and horrible and the trail bikes are up there and the four by fours and that kind of stuff. People just don't care. People don't care about other people's property. Didn't they go and invade somebody's private beach the other day? There was a piece on the television about invading a private beach, which I thought was a little bit disappointing. You know, ramblers, we, we demand the right to ramble. So off they go with their anoraks and all the rest of it. Uh, Kenny Sampson's fallen off the wagon again. There's a picture of him in the papers today. He was sitting drunk on a bench. And there's nothing else you can do about it, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850... Uh, you're not allowed to put cuddly toys on the front of a dust cart against company policies. It defaces the lorry. Plus, if it falls off, it could cause an accident. Don't be so silly, it won't cause... It's a teddy bear. It's a teddy bear They can't cause accidents if it falls off the front. You know, you just run over it and you leave it in the road. It's like saying pigeons cause accidents. Some of them do, but if I can manage to get them under the wheels of the car, I do feel as I've achieved something in town. Sometimes I wish my car had a, a little seed dispenser at the front, so you sit at traffic lights and it dispenses seed, and then the pigeon goes yeah, straight over it, you know, like that. The mess they cause in London. The amount of money that the cat... We've just had the pavements done in Twickenham. They've just spent, you know, something upwards of £4 million bringing in Chinese stone or something. Anyway, whatever it is, they're filthy dirty already. And outside one of the uh, charity shops, can't remember which one it is, um, the pigeons are above it. The pavement is absolutely disgusting with pigeon 
droppings, you know, and they uh, they should really clear them all up. They should really get get rid of it all. I think pigeons serve no useful... Pu- I can't think of any useful purpose that pigeons serve. You know, honeybees are quite nice. Wasps don't serve any purpose either. But what in goodness so's name do pigeons serve? Nothing. The only good pigeon is under a bit of short crust pastry, which is quite nice. Sorry to pigeon lovers everywhere, of which there's probably one of you this morning. Uh, what's the UK's top tourist attraction for foreign visitors? What do they want to see when they come here? Apart from the apart from the patently obvious, they want to see Buckingham Palace. They will happily stand there outside Buckingham Palace. They will watch the changing of the guard, which I think takes place uh, every day. They want to go to um, Highclere Castle in Berkshire, setting for Downton Abbey. They want to go to Chatsworth. And I tell you where else they want to go, and there's queues for it every day, and I didn't believe it till I actually went down there. They want to know about Platform 9 and 3 quarters at the station. And at the station, they've got um, a shopping trolley, half of which is, is in the wall. So you have your picture taken with it. You have to pay for it. And you can go, and you jump up in the air, holding onto the shopping trolley, which is it's only half a shopping trolley, and they take your picture, and that's your 9 and 3 quarters. So it makes it look as though you're going through the wall. And uh, that's where Hogwarts departs from. Well, it doesn't, but it's just there. So they've got half cases and a half a birdcage. It's quite clever. And there's a little Harry Potter shop there, and you can buy wands and everything else. It's amazing how people have taken off. People want to go... The Japanese love Beatrix Potter. They love Beatrix Potter. So they all toddle off to the Lake District. And since 2010... Japanese visitors have been asked for £5 to help conserve the Lake District, which is lovely. Um, Morse, made in Oxford, makes people want to go to Oxford, because it really is lovely. Uh, also, the Argentinian tourists rate a night out in Newcastle as being the place they want to get. Oh, can't imagine why. The Poles can't wait to tour Welsh castles. And at the home of William Shakespeare, or nearly all of the foreign visitors come from America. They cannot lap up enough of William Shakespeare. Since the 18th century, they've been going there. Uh, Devon, the Greek holidaymakers, go to the West Country because of their love of romantic novels and murder mysteries. And so new figures released show that more than 100,000 Germans travelled to Cornwall and Devon last year to see the sites made famous in the books by Agatha Christie. And uh, a lot of the... Uh, the uh, Christy Pilcher novels are filmed for German TV in Cornwall, and then it becomes Saturday night tradition. So uh, viewers there love the antics of Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple, and they want to see the haunts of Agatha Christie in Brixham and Torquay. So that's where people go to. And uh, Indian, more Indians than ever before, are taking foreign holidays. And by 2020, many of these 50 million tourists come to the UK. All the people from Mumbai, where do they go to? Bournemouth, apparently. Bournemouth. Johnny and Simon down in Bournemouth going, Bournemouth? Apparently so. That's what it is. They love it. They love the delights of sunny Bournemouth. Because, you know, Johnny and Simon have got a hotel uh, down there. It caters for slightly more mature clientele because they're a little bit better. You don't really want... um, You don't really want sort of, you know, younger people there tearing the place up. People want to be genteel, which is quite nice. Uh, 84850... Is James Jordan, says Lisa, not on Strictly? No, they dumped him ages ago. He was rubbish. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Dreadful person. Absolutely dreadful. Couldn't get rid of him quick enough. Horrible person. Horrible piece of work on the on the television. I didn't realise, actually, just how, how nasty he was until I sort of watched him there the other day. Oh, I better tell you the weather. Yesterday I was right. Hope to goodness today we're, we're not right. No, I'm afraid it's... Oh, just well, I brought me little brolly. 
stand there getting very wet. I did, actually. I got out of the car the other day to go and buy some things in a, in a supermarket. As I got out of the car, the heavens opened. I thought, should I run? I thought, no. So I ferried about in the boot of the car. And then, to make matters worse, my carry bag broke when I got to the boot of the car. So I'm trying to hold on to it with one hand, hold the umbrella over me. In the end, I thought, oh, I'll blow this for soldiers. So I put the umbrella down. I just have to get soaking wet. And it's going to be heavy, showery rain throughout the morning for Tuesday. Should become lighter and more patchy by midday. Cloud thinning. Many areas dry with bright spells by the end of the day becoming breezy. Tonight, dry with clear spells. Patchy cloud in the evening and night. Winds becoming lighter. Feeling a bit cooler. Uh, Currently, it's 15 degrees centigrade. It's going to climb to a staggering, wait for this one, 17 degrees today. It goes up two degrees. Make the most of it. I think we're heading into winter. Tomorrow's a dry and sunny start. Cloudier in the afternoon. Thursday, unsettled. A mix of sunny spells and showers. Friday, mostly cloudy with sunny spells. Rain in the evening. And Saturday, a mix of sunny spells and showers throughout the day. I wish I was wrong. I wish I was wrong on that and could say to you it's going to be bright sunshine and it's going to be lovely. But it's absolutely not going to be, I'm afraid. It's going to be uh, wet again. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. This is... uh, this is um, further to annoying language changes. I wonder when it happened that if somebody is leaving a building and another person entering, it was always polite to allow the person leaving to go first. Now it seems the person entering pushes in. Oh, nobody does that anymore. What that, that, you mean? What going back to those old days, Jeannie, where people held the door open for people? Oh, pff, nobody does that anymore. What happens? You go first. No, you go first. I saw somebody the other day, they were attempting to come out of a side turning, and none of the cars were letting them through. And every time a car doesn't let me through, I go, thank you, and I always wave. And then when I get into the car and I get, it gets sort of behind them, I always sort of smile at them. And they, so I know they're looking in the mirror and I go, thank you very much, and then I say a rude word. It makes me feel so much better about things. But uh, no, we, we don't have any manners anymore. Nobody holds doors open for people, do they? Nobody. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 21 minutes uh, past six. So it was the cold, the wettest, the dankest bank holiday ever. It doesn't get any better. I mean, I felt really sorry for all the people at the Notting Hill Carnival who put in so much effort and so much work. We know because we spoke to people who were going to do all the makeup for a lot of the dancers and things like that. And then the heavens opened and they must have been standing there going, do you think it'll stop raining anytime soon? And the answer is no, it didn't. It just kept going. And today, not much better. But the other story that's in the papers, apart from the, uh, apart from the story about uh, cancer, getting better, the actual recovery process is actually proving to be a lot more positive than it was a few years ago, is this lad who jumped into a disused quarry in this stunt but drowned in the icy water. We've said it a million times before. This is an 18-year-old called Cameron Lancaster who jumped in, and they jumped from the cliffs at the quarry. I don't know why you'd ever want to do this. It's highly dangerous. People lose their lives almost on a sort of a monthly basis. And he went in at about five o'clock on Sunday and his body was then found at 9pm by rescue workers. These places are in the the middle of nowhere. The cliffs are fairly high. I mean, I cannot emphasise. I mean, just even looking at a picture of this Preston Hill quarry, it was a quarry. It mined rocks and then it fills up with water. And then people jump from the cliffs and you don't know what's under the water. You probably would find, if you actually drained this thing, if it were entirely possible... um, you know, there's rocks just below the surface. You've only got to hit one of them. 
and that's it. You go straight under the water, and, and it took them four hours to get him back out again. I mean, so they, they say this might have been triggered by this celebrity craze of emptying buckets of cold water over your head and then posting the videos on the social networking sites. And I've said before, it was started in America. The guy who started it is dead. He died only a short while ago. I mean, literally within about the past uh, couple of weeks. It was to raise money and awareness for motor neurons disease. But I think the whole thing has now escalated out of all proportion. And people are just doing it and posting lots and lots of pictures. Whether they're raising money for motor neurons, I've got no idea. I have a sneaking feeling that many of them aren't. Uh, lots of people here, you know, uh, uh, sort of said how sorry they were that he jumped off it. When you look at how high the cliffs are, these cliffs must be, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet above the water. I wouldn't, I wouldn't in a million years jump off anything like that. Well, I'm too, too scared of heights anyway. But there was another bank holiday tragedy as well uh, at a quarry. A diver thought to be from Leicestershire drowned after getting into difficulties in a passage... A thousand feet underwater in North Wales. Because you don't know what's under the water. Six people were injured, three seriously in a pile-up caused by two surfboards flying off the roof of a Peugeot in uh, Devon. One of the boards landed on top of a convertible Triumph Spitfire. The convertible driver then swerved and collided with a Renault going in the opposite direction. Two people in the Triumph and the owner of the Renault were taken to hospital. The Triumph uh, driver suffered life-changing injuries. I mean, it's, it's just... I saw somebody the other day going down the road. They had a settee roped to the roof of their car. A settee roped to the roof of the car. And I saw somebody else the other day who... They're obviously going back to college or uni because the whole back of the car was filled up with uh, duvets and pillows. And I thought that the, the law is that you've got to keep the back window free so that if you look in your rearview mirror, you can see through the back window. Well, this one, you couldn't see anything at all apart from pillows and cushions. Highly dangerous. Highly dangerous. Ian Highland, very funny, very old picture. Now he's grown his hair, but uh, we do like reading him. And uh, he was talking about Celebrity Big Brother. Unfortunately, because he appears on it on the panel, Celebrity Big Brother's Little Brother or whatever it's called, he never writes anything that's derogatory about it. It's, it's a case of a TV critic who, if you're going to review something properly, then don't appear on the panel. He's only doing it for money, I'm assuming. And it's a shame. He, he does do a suggestion box for Paul Hollywood. He says, Dear Paul Hollywood, if you want to people stop making smutty jokes at your expense that reference your extramarital noughties, maybe you should stop saying things like the length is good on this one in front of 8 million uh, GBBO viewers. Happy to help. Yes, I mean, I have to be honest, it's just got a little bit too base, hasn't it, really? And, of course, I was never a fan of Paul Hollywood, even before he had the extracurricular... But uh, now it's all sort of double entendre. It's a bit sad, actually, from a white-haired old man. When they first put the trolley in the wall at King's Cross, you could take your own pictures. There were so many, they decided to charge, says Phil. Oh, there's a queue a mile long for it. Queue a mile long. At least they give you a scarf to wear whilst you're posing. They also have somebody keeping the crowd amused whilst they're in the queue. I didn't hear of anybody on your tourist list wanting to go to Blackpool, says Phil. No, for some strange reason, no tourist coming into the country wanted to go to Blackpool. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? In fact, nobody ever wants to go to Blackpool. Perhaps we should just close it. Perhaps we should just close it. Uh, Trawney and Guinevere, next the sea, say the wind is whistling between the overhead cables as a wintry dawn embraces North Norfolk. Back door open while the pooches have their morning we be wake. So we're wrapped up against the chill and waiting for the arga to heat up. It's been turned off for, for, for summer to conserve. Really? What do you cook on? 
You have sort of a little fire outside or something like that. Uh, Gary says, your description of the lake was rather funny. This is the swimming through a lake thing. He says, luckily enough, Thorpe Lake is quite clean. There are a few weeds by the end, but it, by the edge, but it deepens. Uh, they don't, they don't bother me. <laughs> I must be admitting, when I first was swimming without a wetsuit in the lake and swimming into a clump of weed made me feel a little uneasy. And yes, you can sometimes see a fish. Probably best to keep eyes closed when faces in the water and only open them to see where you're going. You haven't sold it very well to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> Nothing on earth is going to get me uh, it's going to get me out there. Listen, I've got no more time. Great to see so many more tributes to Dickie Attenborough in the papers for today. And uh, no doubt you'll have something to talk about later on. I love the way that Dickie Attenborough even called Mrs Thatcher darling. He said, because I can never remember anybody's, anybody's name. Listen, I'm back with you tomorrow morning. And you can, if you go to the LBC website, I get this question every day on the programme. How can we download? On the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, there is a free app. If you download that to your uh, phone or your tablet, then it'll make things an awful lot easier. And then automatically, when we do the free podcast for you every day, that will download straight to the phone. If you subscribe to the remainder of the programmes on LBC, and every, every programme is downloadable, every single thing, and that's after they've taken out the, the news and the ad breaks and everything else, then that will send it automatically to the phone. But you need to go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, to get all the, the details about it. It's from about £2 a month, and that means you download and you get to keep it. But as a few of us have a free app every day, and this morning we will have a free app, because after the, uh, the I debacle of the last, uh, last week or so, we haven't had a free app for about three days. So it will be back on today, you'll be delighted to know. Uh, I wish you a pleasant Tuesday. It's a miserable old day, I'm afraid. I can't offer you any crumb of comfort, apart from the fact that Nick Ferrari and the team will be here from 7 o'clock this morning. I'll be going through the papers and looking at a number of the, the topics of interest. Have yourself a nice day. I shall be back with you tomorrow morning at 4am. Coming up uh, with the morning news for all of this week, it's Tom Swarbrick. This is LBC.